everybody. Welcome to Critapocalypse episode 139 in the wonderful world of media. We are going to review four things each. Let's get that over and done with out of the way. If you haven't listened before, welcome to the energy zone where we're both full of sugar. I have some rum. You have wine. Your general gumption is just enough, isn't it? Gumption. 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 Bukaki parties are just baby showers. (laughs) Can that be the title? Bukaki parties are just baby showers. That's the part. That's the title. Bukaki baby parties. No, Bukaki showers are just. No, sorry. Bukaki parties are just baby showers. That's the title. Mm. That's it. Full stop. Send it to the presses. Anyway, so, Anne. Welcome to episode 139. You've been here before 138 times, so I don't need to tell you what we do. But in general, we talk about some stuff and things. Let's talk about some news, shall we? Mm-hmm. Uh, so after playing Days Gone for 60-odd hours, it turns out they're making a Days Gone 2. Sony Bender hiring a team of people to go and make that game. I'm excited. You're not. You haven't played it. How are you doing with Last of Us 2? I haven't played it for weeks. <laughs> Awesome. What have you been up to? Like, outside of the review stuff, how have you been in general? I've been busy. What have you been busy doing? Back at work. Well, I mean, I don't want to I, I don't want to say this whilst on the podcast, but three days. <laughs> we get most... How many days of this week have you been at work? <laughs> well, it depends on what you call work, because I've been doing charity work for like five out of seven days. It's not work. Yeah, it is. I go and save little animals. Not getting paid for it. No, but I go and save little animals. It's fulfilling in other ways. Saved a bunch of animals this week. Did I show you the video on my pigeon? No. <laughs> anyway, and besides that, like, in general, nothing new's really happening. We're still stuck, still quarantined, everything's kind of shitty. But luckily, we have found at least four things to do in the last fortnight to review. Haven't we? I don't know, I might be having an existential crisis. <laughs> After your joke, I don't really know how to rise to the occasion now. Yeah. Normally it's energy is enough to bring to this thing. But no, you had a great opener. Fuck you, Ant. <laughs> Alright, so you ready to get on with it or do you want to talk more about stuff? Mm. Oh, James Bond's been delayed till 2021. That's fucking That's happened. That's ages it? ago. No, it was recently. It was delayed until October and then it's recently been pushed back even further, which is which makes my rewatch of Spectre as arduous as it was, well-timed, because now I only have to wait six months to see the next one, so I'm sure I remember. Spectre's not the worst one out of those. No, it's not. No, Daniel Quantum Craig. of Solace. Yeah, yeah, the Quantum of Collis. Quantum of Solace has one good scene. No, it doesn't. Yeah, it does. No, At the end, he no. drives that guy into the desert and he just chucks him a can of oil and he's like, I bet you won't get a couple of miles before you think about drinking this oil to survive. And then just drives out the desert. I'm like, that's pretty cold. That's awesome. I like that. That's almost that's almost Timothy Dalton Bond, where it, like, it went 15 because he was like, I'm just going to murder fucking everyone. And that guy probably would have been more valuable as an asset, as a you know prisoner. And- well, no, because he, he was sold out. Even if they took him in, he would have been killed by one of their men. That was kind of the point. He said that like if I turn you in, you'll either get out because of some bureaucratic decision or... One of our own men will turn to kill you because that's how that's how how much you're fucked, basically. Because he was trying to, wasn't it? He was trying to remove all the water from Saudi Arabia and make it so that bottled water was more expensive. So basically, he would be in control of the water supply to the entire region, and oil would suddenly be devalued. So he can sweep in, get all the oil, and then water and stuff like that. He could raise the prices of and then cause a monopoly. That was that was literally the pot of quantum Desol- quantum solace. I think it's a fucking terrible movie. Especially considering it followed Casino Royale. 
Yeah. Casino Royale is a really good Bond film. But it's not really a Bond film. It's more like Matthew Bourne Bond. But anyway. There wasn't a plot in Quantum of Solace. Yeah, there was. That was the plot. I'm telling you that was the plot. He yeah. was essentially trying to devalue no, oil by increasing the water. So I had a really flammable house and then the house blows up. Oh, that's a great... That was a great stunt. It's just a shame that it was like... It's a bit like... The, Why do you build a house out of wood? You know, like... You know that, that uh, prequel to The Thing? And how that was, like, completely painted over CGI. Mm. Like, originally they had, like, um, practical effects, like the original thing. And they tried to do as much as they could to pay respect to that original idea. <laughs> and then the studio execs came in and they went, oh, we don't like any of this. We don't like any of that. Get rid of it. Paint it over CGI. And they literally had a team come in. It was, like, one of the, one of the like, scab CGI workforces coming and just literally paint over all the practical offense- effects of CGI. Apparently there's a version of that film that exists without the CGI. But no one's seen it. The only people that have seen it are the effects house. So the same people that did Harbinger Down, which is like a Kickstarter film that was all just their VFX and directed by them. But the problem with something, yeah. Well, the problem with something like that is that it's a really good VFX reel, but it's a terrible movie because they aren't writers, and it's hard to be subjective about something you've written when you're really into the idea of doing those special effects. It's a bit like why I'm concerned about Corridor. Recently had that video about like. They want to make VFX films and they want to get into films and they had like these great ideas. The problem is that great ideas from a VFX studio won't necessarily be great ideas on a writing perspective or pacing or or even like even uh, camera work and things mm-hmm. like that. They make YouTube videos. They, they make really well. good YouTube videos and I think that they're really good at that. But I think that if you were to combine you like if you were to combine VFX with a storyteller or a director, you get something a bit more. Uh, a bit more lively, lively, sorry, a bit more lively, a bit more um, realised, like Oats Studio. Did you ever watch any of the stuff that was done by... Okay, well, Oats Studio is basically the guy who did District 9. Yeah, Blomkamp. Yeah, Uh, Neil Blomkamp. And, like, some of that stuff in just, like, a 10-minute... It's like a whole realised world just told in a 10-minute video, and it's so perfect and succinct, you kind of don't need to ask questions beyond that. And it's even, like, high-concept sci-fi shit, like... People being introduced to the idea of a yeah, he uh, did it because he wasn't getting any film work. Well, no, he was he was commissioned to do aliens and shit like that by then. He Didn't was Ridley like Ridley Scott walked in and went, nah. Yeah. Well, Ridley Scott doing fucked. my film now. Fucking Prometheus. Yeah. Still, I I don't think Alien I don't think Alien Covenant was that bad. Covenant's fine. Yeah. I really like. Um, probably one of the standout things to that is give Danny McBride some chances in more dramatic fare because he was fucking incredible in that. Yeah, I really like the scene where um, he gets told his wife, like he kind of knows his wife died, but then he gets told when that woman's coming up, and he's still like, "All hands on deck, we have a job to do." Mm. But he like he goes and he has that minute where it's just silent, just that one that one camera that's above him in like a small chamber. He takes his hat off and he just has a breakdown, mm. and you see about five seconds of it. But his physical acting is incredible. Uh, but yeah, give him a chance with some more dramatic frame. Well, more films should kill James Franco in the first five. Oh years. yeah, definitely, definitely. Mm. That guy's a creeper. Yeah, he's like a Jared Leto. He's like a Hollywood have kind of accepted him being a creeper. I still find that weird that Jared Leto is still getting so much work and praise, especially after Joker in Suicide Squad. I thought mm. like they'd be like, "This is the chance to get him out." He tried to get the fucking Phoenix Joker film stopped, I know. didn't he? Yeah, yeah, because he's a fucking nutcase. Mm-hmm. Did you hear that David Ayer's now... Because you remember David Ayer turned around and said... Well, you know, like, Batman... No one wants a Suicide Squad director's cut. Yeah, well, Justice League's getting its director's cut. It comes out next year. I think it's March next year as well. Or March or May. They've uh, they've announced they're releasing it. 
Um, David Ayer has announced that there is a director's cut that exists of Suicide Squad, even though, like, when Suicide Squad came out, he said, this is my movie, and he completely took... He took no umbrage with the trailer house that were cutting, that were cutting the final final version. He just went, yeah, no, fuck it, that's my film. And now he's turning around and saying, oh, my film was incredible. It's like, no, we saw Bright, you cunt. Yeah. We know your shit. I think End of Watch was a fluke. Just want some attention. Have you seen that new Shia LaBeouf film? He actually had like that weird tattoo done for it. Like he's David Ayer's new muse, apparently. He's the tax man or the debt collector or whatever his new film is. I mean, I think Shia LaBeouf is a good actor. I think that he could be a better director because he's gone through the ringer. He's sort of gone through that crazy phase. Um, but yeah. Does what he wants. Yeah. I kind of like Shia LaBeouf. I just think that he is unhinged. Like, he he was mistreated when he was younger by his dad and stuff like that. That mm. Honey Boy film is very revealing in terms of what he went through. Um, I'd, like to, I'd like to see a film that's about... Um, who's the one from, uh, from uh, Beautiful Mind? Um, Russell Crowe no uh, Thingy Birch Fora Birch yeah because her dad was a fucking creeper he was there for like sex scenes that she filmed for films like she had a film where she had a sex scene filmed and he had to be there on set to watch all the stuff and Mm. like give final say it was in her contract apparently to give final say on some of the shots of her nude and shit like that because she was wearing like just fucking creepy just so creepy anyway Chris Apocalypse episode 139 I'm gonna go first this week because it's my turn. We go in yeah. order. We go in turns. We're taking a turn. Some weeks you're first. Other weeks I'm first. We're gonna do four things each. My first thing this week is gonna be a song. Uh, gonna be have a, a nap. It's gonna be a game on Switch called Never Song. I'm gonna review it straight out of the bat. It's the thing that I've been playing. I played it for about three hours and completed it. It is a fantastic, tiny little Metroidvania-style game. The idea is that you are a little boy that's fallen into a coma. You wake up and it seems that all the parents have disappeared from the town you're in. It's side-scrolling. It's art style, it's very similar to Hollow Knight, but instead of it being drawn, it's like a, almost like a flash animation style, borderless, like, it's meant to look, it feels like it's meant to look a bit like, um, Tim Burton-esque, like, very low colour, um, low colour 2D, like, cardboard or paper, you know, like a silhouette theatre. And you basically play but as puppets. Young... Yeah, there you go, that's it, shadow puppets. Yeah. You play as a boy named Pete. Um, and you. That's a boring name for a new character. You, uh, you're a young man in Pete, and using your trusty baseball bat, you have to go and rescue some of the kids, rescue some of the adults, and find out what's happened to your town. Um, it's a little bit spooky. It's a little bit kooky. It's got some really nice elements to it. There's Is it a really creepy nice... and it's spooky, mysterious it's, it's, and ooky. Yeah, Is it's it all together spooky. Yeah, yeah, the Adam yeah. family. Da, 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 da. Mm. Um, there's. There's a lot so they to do like. what they want to do, say what they want to say, how they want to live, play how they want to play, dance what they, they want to dance. <laughs> what was it then? Oh, Barry Sonnenfeld. Kicker them flipper can. Yeah, Barry Sonnenfeld. Thank you for The Addams Family. That was a great film. Mm-hmm. People don't talk about The Addams Family. Addams Family Values, I actually think, is better. Because Addams Family Values has that fantastic scene where they're, they're interviewing, like, um, nannies. And there's a nanny, and she pulls out a puppet, and she goes, Okay, children, now we're going to play a game. The first game is, let's find where the baby is. <laughs> and then Wednesday Adams pulls up a little demon puppet that's pre-prepared and just says, okay, Polly, we'll play the game. Which part of the baby are you after? <laughs> like that and rubs its hands together. <laughs> I still remember that just, just so, so perfectly. And also Joanne Cusack is fucking incredible in that. The scene where she thinks she's killed Wesley, uh, no, Wesley. The f- scene where she thinks she's killed Uncle Fester. 
And she's in a bar with a bunch of generic sailor types mm. listening to the YMCA and dancing as if she's going to fuck a bunch of these gay guys. Because <laughs> it's like literally generic sailors with like the sleeves torn off mm. and stuff. And she's like, da 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 da, And she's like, wait a second, wait a second, what'd you say? My husband's alive. <laughs> and she's like, put me down, put me down, <laughs> I'm going to go. Yeah. Um, anyway, sorry, Never Song. I got distracted. Yeah, keep so, on topic. Um, so yeah, Never Song. It, it's, it's, um, it's a really weird short version of Hollow Knight is what it seems like. There are some small unlockables here and there, but it just, it's one of those really nice two to three hour campaigns and you just, you just clear through it and that's it. Like you, there's a story there. It's actually a really nice story and the boss fights, some of them are really interesting, but it is like, it's a simplified version of that Metroidvania for like, um, recipe. Because there's only you couldn't remember the word format, could you? I, I couldn't know. There no. are there are. Only... I mean, half of the word is your name. <laughs> like... There are there are only four bosses throughout of it, throughout the actual story, and the monsters in in general aren't like very interesting. I think there's only like four types. And funnily enough, one of the types looks like a flying anus. Nice. Like it looks like a pair of butt cheeks, but then like the bums up higher than the butt cheeks. So it looks like if Let's you can use that angle. Yeah. Like it's like like it's at an angle. Like yeah. if you were to look at someone's crutch and they had their uh, a man's crutch and they had their sort of their dick and their balls in their hand, they were like trying to hide it, but you were looking at them from underneath, so their legs are in the air. You would see bum, and then you would see the butthole. Mm. It's kind of like yeah. that flying around. And some of them shoot stuff, and some of them, and you get like nice little upgrades. And there is a there's a slight puzzle element, and you know, but it's it's very natural gameplay. It's kind of one of those things. You know where sometimes it's not like a Simon's Quest. You know where Simon's Quest it's like, oh, you've got the cross. Now go to here at midnight, kill a bat, and the bat will drop an apple. Take the apple to a fucking, and like, you know, some bullshit like that. No, as you're walking through a level, you'll notice little key indicators that this is something that you can do. You'll naturally get the item that you can, but to get back to that area, you'll have to use that item. And then once you get back to the area, you're like, oh, this is where I use it here. And it's, it's difficult nowadays because of a lot of the games we get, like a Hollow Knight, like a like a Dark Souls. You can get lost in these worlds. Like often, people create these beautiful worlds and they put a lot into them. And there's, you know, they're they're vast, and there can be moments where you sort of lost. This has it's been one of those experiences where I am like, oh, duh, 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 I I get this. Like I don't need to refer to anything. I don't need to take a second to think about it. I'm just sort of. I'm going from A to B. I've seen the hints that there's a C. Oh. I've got that. I've got that iron from the end of B. I'm going back. I can see C. And that natural flow of gameplay yeah. doesn't really happen anymore. And it's beautiful. Like when it does, because you don't need to spend your time stressing about what to do. You're just playing the game. There is a challenge there in the combat. And some of the enemies, you do later on see some of the parents have been turned into these like, these like taller, spindly, like, um, they're basically just wearing shorts and they've got these big knives and they just trek around with these knives and you just, you whack them a few times with your baseball bat. But there's, there isn't a role like you would get in one of these games because usually you get those invincibility frames to give you a little bit of an edge in combat. Instead, this is very basic combat. There's one hit. There's not combos. You've got multi-direction. So you've got up, down and left and right. And you can do air combos. So you can like hit someone repeatedly up in the air if you juggle them. But for the most part, combat is very simply whack, whack, whack. And that might sound boring, but mixed in with the elements, like there's a really interesting puzzle later in the game where you have to create this serum. So you've got this massive tank and you just drop bits of brain that you find hanging from chains throughout this thing. And so somewhere you've got this 
this chart that tells you the different types of brain. And then you're like, oh, okay, so I don't know which ones to put in the cauldron. If I put in just these random ones, it just doesn't do anything. So I've obviously got to explore. So you go to the other side of the map, and then you find someone who goes like, oh, I finally found... get worm root and... No, no. Friggin... It's, it's essentially just like a book where it's like, I finally cracked the code, but sadly, I'm succumbing to my wounds. <laughs> yeah. So I've written in my diary the code to unlock, and then you go back and you create it. And where do you think that that would mean, like suddenly suddenly you have access to an area or suddenly you save this person who's in peril no you give it to them and they're like they're like oh, i guess they got the formula wrong and they just go crazy in this cage and you're like oh maybe they did get the formula wrong and they're like yeah sorry about that um there's a key over there though and you're like oh it's been there the whole fucking time <laughs> you just like go on to your way um but yeah i i liked it a lot i think that as someone who has started hollow knight i still haven't finished hollow knight and I realized that playing this because I sat there, I literally did, I completed this game in a day and then I went out. And it's really nice to have a game that you can play. Like I had my morning coffee. I was just playing the game. I finished the game and then I went about my day. And that was really fucking nice. Why did nice. you go outside? <laughs> that was really fucking nice. Lockdown. It, is, it, it was God. stupidly nice to have something that I saw the beginning and the end of it in a 24-hour period. The only time I've had that in the last 12 months has been Resident Evil 3. <laughs> and after playing fucking Days Gone for days on end, <laughs> trying to complete it, it's, it was so lovely to have a game where I just sat there and I started playing and then finished playing. It was one session, mm. it was done. And, oh, um, one of the things that I think is really nice, if you're playing on Switch, it does give you a little bit of a longing for a Ocarina of Time release, or even a Wind Waker release, because there's, you get songs from the bosses, and every time you play a song, you get an item from the house that you grew up in with this little girl. Well, no, sorry, mm. your best friend grew up in. And the, the process of playing the songs, you've got up, down, left, right, and then you've got A, B, X, Y. And you basically just play the notes using those inputs. It's only five, uh, no, sorry, it's six notes to play a song. And it's really nice having a game because you've been playing The Last of Us. I finished The Last of Us a few weeks ago. Yeah, you played Last of Us like two weeks ago. Yeah. <laughs> but you've got that really nice guitar mechanic that I, I said yeah. was really interesting. And I think that more games that have musical input, not the whole game based around musical input because I kind of hate that shit unless it's like a rock band and it's like an in and out sort of game. If it's if it's a nice Bad little... tasting like, games. <laughs> if there's a nice little mechanic like that in there, it's always nice to... Get a room, man. Fuck yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's it's nice to have those outside of just combat and jumping. Just mix it up just a little bit with some. It doesn't even need to be a full game. Like I really like games where you've got that arcade machine hidden in an area you find, yeah. and you just have a quick go on something that isn't a beat 'em up or isn't a shoot 'em up. You know, it just breaks up that flow, mm. and it kind of makes you go like, oh, okay, this is a nice reprieve from having to do those things. Um, but yeah, never some is in no way perfect and it's definitely not for everyone. I don't think it's a game for kids because the subject matter can get a bit dark and it is a little bit... The, the whole whole idea of a kid falling into a coma and then waking up and having to deal with the repercussions of stuff that's happened when he's in a coma and potentially those repercussions being based on what happened when he was in a coma. And then also there is, um, story-wise, this isn't a spoiler, but story-wise, when you go through the levels, there's hints that you could be actually re you could be reliving memories and the coma lasted a short while and you've mm. gone on to live your life, but you're actually like an avatar of those memories. So you're trying to go back and see what happened when you were younger, see where your mistakes were made. Mm. And that's like, again, it's not for kids. And I know the Switch is a console for kids and I played it on Switch. It's also available on PS3. Uh, you don't give a kid a Switch. <laughs> it's also available on They'll PC, PS4. 
and Xbox One. So Kev's I think kids have wrecked it. Switch, oh, really? Yeah, um, it's also available on all those all those consoles. And I think that you know it's it's probably going to do gangbusters on fucking PC because this will be like a Steam sale staple. It'll be like a fiver, and people will mm. play it. Um, I and and on Switch, it really is perfect for a Switch. It feels almost like um one of the old. God, what is that manufacturer? Not the manufacturer. What is the publisher that does Shanti in the... What, Way Forward? Way Forward. It feels almost like a like an early Way Forward game. You make Bakugan. Yeah. <laughs> it feels like an early Way Forward game, like like the early Shanti games. Simple concept, yeah. simple simple combat, com- combat, but really well implemented, implemented and aesthetically very, very pleasant. Um, and I really enjoyed it. I give it uh, Michelle Pfeiffer. Because I watched Witches of Eastwick, and that's a really good film. It's better than I remember it being. Also, I'm attracted to Cher in that film. If I could turn back time, better, I would probably bang Cher. <laughs> Your review, man. Let me watch Wood Mermaids instead. No, I don't find her attractive in Mermaids. Mermaids is a classic. I find. I think my thing is that it's got. You thought you were watching Witches of Eastwick, but you were watching Witches of Eastwick. You've got really hot Michelle Pfeiffer. You've got really hot Cher. But you've got like a weird middle place for Susan Sarandon, where she's not Thelma and Louise hot, and she's not that like Milfy, Fran Milfy hot <laughs> that she is now. Instead, she's like at that midpoint where I think she's. That was Jack Nicholson. Oh, Jack Nicholson's very gross. He's like, Jack Nicholson's just at that point where Krispy Kreme were like, we know you don't give a fuck, here's a free dozen. He's like, <laughs> I'm Jack Nicholson. <laughs> the peak of that is the two Jakes. Yeah. Where he's just like... Yeah. He's just like... I oh, want to do a sequel to Chinatown, but I'm going to spend most of this time at the golf course. And I just want to play golf, really. Well, the thing about the two Jakes as well is, like, he was genuinely just like... He's like, he I'll put the plaster on, no shits. but I won't have a diet. I won't mm. do it. I think that's why it was such a good idea in um, Doctor Sleep that they just got another actor in. Because mm. I think the whole idea of Doctor Sleep replaying those scenes or playing with the idea of Jack being back and it being Jack Nicholson, I think that that would have really done it a disservice because it is like a whole new beast. You'd only do it if you could sit down for the entire thing. Yeah. You ain't getting out of a chair for... The guy that replaced him. The fact Sorry, that it's people. not Jack Nicholson and it's the scenes being recreated, mm. or at least it's a similar scene to the... Makes it almost creepier. Yeah. Because you get know, like, a creepy guy like that Chris Delia guy. He's creepy. The one who... Oh, yeah, the one who molested kids. That fucking clip is still amazing. A couple of weeks ago, we did watch the clip of Chris Yella finding out that you could screenshot Snapchats and record them. And his face... I love love the fact... Have you seen the one where they've got the Curb curb Your Enthusiasm music? Probably. Where basically, he goes like... He goes, oh, you can record Snapchats. And he goes... Anyway, your review, Ant. Sorry, I'm, I'm being loud and in the way. You always are. Um, I got Contra Collection on the Switch. So did I. Did you? Did you know? Did you? Did you know? Yeah. Really? Yeah. Uh, Contra Collection. It's a collection of Contras. Um, it's very similar to that Castlevania one I got a while back. It's it's got it's got Contra. It's got Contra. It's got Operation C. It's got Contra on the Famicom, and it's got Super Contra. And the hardcore, it's got all the Contras. It's got all the ones up to Probotector on the Mega Drive. And it's like, also you can play them in Japanese and you can play the PAL speed versions of the Probotector games. And hasn't got the original Probotector for the NES. I noticed that. Which I've Isn't got. Is it Robotector? 
Probotector. Is it Probotector? Probotector. I thought the next it was like See, Robotector. As far as I'm concerned, Probotector's cooler than Contra. I like the cyborgs. robots. Robots, oh, yeah. robots are they rad. Explode. You get a robot dog in Probotector on the Mega Drive. Do you? Yeah, he's a robot dog guy. That's cool. Like, you know, even big old ro- mutant dogs weren't good enough for the <sighs> UK. But, um, I no, like the it's, fact a, that it's a nice collection. <laughs> yeah. But uh, it's a good collection. You can switch it to Japanese and play the Japanese versions of the game, even though one of the games is only in Japanese because it's the Famicom version of Contra. Okay. Um, which has slightly different levels Isn't it layouts Super C? and stuff. Super C? Super C is another game. Oh, okay. Sorry. Yeah. But um, there's a it's really nicely emulated collection, although some of the games where, like, especially the Pro Rotator ones, the PAL versions, if you put them in pixel perfect mode, they the screen goes tiny because in the PAL versions you had borders at the top and bottom. Yeah, because of how like our screens had more lines of information on them. Yeah, than the Slow US ones. Refresh rate, but higher. It was like five seven yeah, six. Yeah, higher resolution. Yeah, five yeah. five something. But um, yeah, they look tiny, so you kind of have to use the full screen scan line mode, um, which I'm not keen on. But if you have the scan lines on, you can't see the shimmering artifacts that you get on it because you get because when the pixels aren't perfectly square and a camera moves along. You get a shimmering effect because the way they scale it up is make every few rows slightly wider than yeah. the others. Um, they don't use the sort of more integer scaling that you get on the Nintendo Switch SNES games and NES games because mm. they do a really good job on that. You don't see next to no shimmering on those games because yeah, they've got weird. In- they've got um, is it in- SNES Nine X? They use like one of the emulators they stole. No, as a it's base. not an emulator. It's not. It's their own custom thing. Is it? It's um. The integer scaling on that basically it softens the edges of the pixels, so they could be slightly spaced out, and it creates the illusion that they're all rectangular, oh, okay. which is what shape they should be on a CRT. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Contra Collection does a really fine job. It's M2; they do a fine job anyway. Have they gotten rid of? I haven't. This is the problem. I bought it because it's on sale, but I haven't played it yet. Hmm. Um, I remember that when the reviews came out, because when that and Castlevania came out, the month after they both went on offer for eight quid instead of twelve. And I bought Castlevania. 16 quid. They were knocked down for a few quid afterwards. Oh, okay, sorry. I got so, the Castlevania one the day it came out. Yeah, I know you did. Yeah, I'm not I, I waited skipping a little bit. that. I waited a little bit for the sale and I got it for, I think, eight. And I was considering getting Contra as well, but when I looked at reviews, Contra, the arcade ones, which are the ones I've never played and I was more mm. interested in having a look at, mm. they apparently only play in like a boxed... No, you can mess like, around with the pixels, the size of the screen. I know they oh, okay. didn't. They add like I'm pretty sure they added something to the size. That's what I was going to ask. Was there was something you... on the original releases where the pixel perfect and um, scaled ones were the wrong way round. If yeah. I remember right, I think they fixed that, and okay. they also fixed the button input thing, which I need to mess around with because oh, the you Mega Drive switch X and B or whatever. The Mega Drives put A on Y, B on B, and C on A, and I don't like that. It's an under under hook. Oh, okay. When it comes to Mega Drive games on. SNES style four button joypads I like ABC over the top but whenever I change it to that Paul moans because for some reason he thinks it should be different I'll tell you what it might be alright having ABR I used to always put um, like the Mega Drive Street Fighter controls you had a six button joypad and all that and I had a six button joypad that was SNES style so I put Z and C on the shoulder buttons yeah like that's how I used to do it on on my because I had a my Mega Drive pad is somewhere I don't think it works I haven't tried it on this console actually but um, Mega SG. But I had the one that's basically a SNES pad. It was literally yeah, a SNES the competition pad. pro style one. It's a really good pad. Mm. Um, God, I remember third party pads were amazing. Yeah, you? I've got that ASCII pad for the SNES over there, and that was featured. Marlin Gaming did a video about third party pads for retro consoles, and that yeah. was like their favourite SNES pad. And I was like, I've had that for years. I bought that for a tenner. See, more recently, <laughs> I've gone into third party controllers because I've got the Power A one for the Xbox One X and you know, the Power A Pro. 
Yeah, they're all right. They're really nice. Yeah. Like, the only problem is that none of them they were those... wireless when I bought them. Yeah, they do all those switch ones as they well, do, don't they? Yeah. yeah. But the Power 8, it was the one that was like 100... I wouldn't buy a wired switch pad because I'd be too worried about dragging it off the Yeah. Thing. I gave you one, didn't I? I well, gave you that one. one. Yeah, it's, kind yeah. Of, it's got dust on it. Yeah, it does. You don't use it. <laughs> uh, my gifts. <laughs> it's a spare one for... My gifts just go over there. Uh, but no, I... Um, so, with the with the Power A one for the Xbox One X... It works quite well. I mm. think it's a. I think the thing is having a wired pad for something like an Xbox. If you're playing something like Call of Duty or Warzone or one of those other games, mm. that's like a shooter. It's reactionary. It works having something that's wired just because it's done. It's there. You know, you don't have to worry about batteries and such. I mean, the input delay of between a wired and wireless pad it's is minimal. microseconds yeah. now. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but on the PS4 as well, I've got the Nacom, the Nacom Pro, the wired one. I always Nacom. have a. Yeah, Nacom, sorry. I always have a wired controller for a console, especially if I'm doing something like, because we've I've Xbox. got that wired PS3 pad that's basically a PS1 pad that works on a PS3, haven't I? That yeah. blue one. And it's, that's perfect for PS1 games on well, the PS3, I, which is all I use the PS3 for. I used to have the Hori Fight Pad. Oh, yeah, yeah, And it had the PS3, PS4 mode. Hmm. Like, third-party controllers have got better and better, and the more narrative, story-driven games I play, the less I want to worry about batteries, because... If you've had an Xbox or a PS3, yeah, me and PS4 Paul played Minecraft the other day, and the battery ran out on the console. It took, and the controller told me, "Oh, it's going, it's running low." And I was like, oh, "I'll yeah. plug it in when we finish the level." But it died before we got to the yeah. end of the level. And it just is so fucking irritating. Mm. So if I'm playing anything narrative-driven or anything I like that, char- I need to get an loop charger, and I should just chuck loop batteries in there. Uh, the only problem with charging batteries in there, and they're all, they're always a bit. It doesn't really charge them properly. Yeah, yeah. So that's why I need a charger. Tab. I need yeah. the loop charger. Uh, yeah. Anyway, that Contra collection, um, solid stuff. It's like four quid right now until the end of the month. So, you know, can't go wrong with that. Um, I get get paid the day after the friggin' sale ends, so I can't get that other one. I want to get the the shoot-em-up collection. Do you want to just send you some cash? You can get it. You can send me 300 quid. No. I can send you rent if you want rent. No. 11 days early. No, because I'll spend it. Do you want me to send you four quid? You can just buy the spend it. But um, anyway, Contra Collection, it's really good stuff. I think the economy, the Cap- Castlevania Collection is, like, fantastic. I think the Castlevania Collection was instantly Especially the one that I needed. Kid Dracula in it, man. I'm just so pissed yeah. off that I don't have the Game Boy one. The amount yeah. of times I've played the Game Boy one... Yeah, I played that when I was a kid. Like, it's the better version. That's the problem. I don't know. I think the Famicom ones, they're different games, but they're... They are different games. The Famicom one's got a sense of humour to it that I love. Yeah, it's just the levels, the level design for me is just a bit... Because they've got... The same sort of enemy layout and the same sort of enemy attack mm. patterns, but it doesn't make as much sense when you can't see the enemies. Kid Dracula on the Famicom is like a. It's more like to me. It reminds me of the Getsu Fumiden game on the Famicom. It's like a. It's like a cartoony version of that. Yeah. The the level layout to it is more to me like Getsu Fumiden, which is technically part of the Castlevania series now. It's the Japanese arm of it. They include oh. it in Castlevania. Nice. But um, yeah, Contra. It's good stuff. It's got good music. I would like a second Contra collection that has the PS2 game on it though. Shattered Soldier, Shattered Soldier, because that is a genuinely good game. Yeah, and you have to have those, like, like the four Contra people War and play shit it. Like that. You could just do, just do like the um, DS game, the PS2 one, PS1. There was one on PS1 that was good. There was two PS1 games. One was bad, and the second one was quite decent. I think they were both bad, but one was curious rather than decent because they did one that was a top-down shooting. Yeah, it was and terrible. they did one they, that the was like was a third-person sort of thing. Yeah. But the um, Shattered, Shattered, I'm pretty sure it was Shattered Soldier or something like that. The, the second PS2 game, it was really good, and it was all dark and miserable looking, but it was a proper Contra game. Okay. But um, and the DS game that was it, Way Forward or someone did? Yeah, it was really good. Like well, pull back were, to the Switch. Let me put the Switch in Tate mode and play it vertical. That'd so be there amazing. Were, there were three games for the D for the GBA. 
There were three for the Game Boy. There was you... a remake of there was Contra. They they ported Contra. I'm to talking the about GBA. Castlevania. Sorry, I'm going yeah. off the I'm going off the fucking deep end. But Contra on GBA, they I think they only ported the um the Game Boy one, and there was a port of Super Contra on the Game Boy Advance. There was indeed, which was oh, actually there was Contra Forces. Was it no, Contra Forces it on the, the DS one? Maybe DS, yeah. Um, the DS one's great, and put frigging the Contra that was on the Wii, Contra Redux. That was great. Contra Four was actually just released a pack of those Wii games. You remember those Wii, the um, Castlevania Redux and all that? Those those four economy games they did. Yeah. Give us a collection of those. That'd be great. Like fifteen, twenty quid. Just give me the PSP ones. No, they're better because those games only are on the Wii, and you can't get them anymore. You can't oh, buy them true. anywhere. They had that really yeah. nice soundtrack actually yeah. as well. Anyway, that was Contra. Contra should... 4 was way forward. Yeah, you should yeah. review the thing. Um, yeah, my next review um, is going to be a movie. A movie? A movie! I watched a horror movie. It's a bit Lovecraftian. It's, it's a it's brave little toaster. No. Yeah. Um, I watched a film called The Beach House on Shudder. You're a bitch house. Uh, the Beach House on Shudder is about a couple that are um, just about to head off in their separate directions. One's going to college after grad school. The other one has just recently left college because he didn't really like the education institution. Uh, they are staying at their parents' beach house by the sea. And um, one day they discover that another couple is also staying at that parents' beach house. It turns out they're an older couple who are going for a similar situation. Both seem to be on paths where... So both people in that relationship seem to be on paths where they will not be together in a year's time. So one, it's obviously the young couple. Yeah. Uh, One is the young couple who one is, you know, has eyes on college. The other one has just recently left college. The other couple, one of them is going through health issues that look like they are going to be, um, going to be fatal. So they won't be around that next year and they're on a lot of medication and they're sort of dealing with that by spending as much time as they can together and enjoying life together as much as possible. Um, and, and they're all staying at this beach house and one night they're having a raucous time. They're drinking wine, having chats and really just, it seems like it's going to be one of those melodramatic, they're having conversations and they're learning about each other and, and maybe they have deeper conversations that sort of make them realise things about themselves and about the world they're in and what the realities of that world are. Uh, but lo and behold, about, well, sometime late in the evening, they run out of wine and the young man who is, who is, uh, who's just recently left college says that he has some edibles he's purchased from a, a hash shop Ooh. on his way down to the beach house. And he says, I can share. Would anyone like to partake in some of these edibles? So they all eat some, some, some hemp chocolate and they, they get high. Um, they have further conversations, but then suddenly like that. Um, they all they all pass out and they wake mm. back up, but it's just the young couple. They can't find the older couple. <gasps> the next day, they find that there is. You're just a... telling the whole plot. No, 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 no. I'm just I'm telling. Sorry, I'm not going to tell what happens at the end or anything. I'm telling the setup. This is only the like first twenty minutes. <sighs> sorry, sorry. I apologize. It's I have to explain because because like it's it's a bit of a twisty thing. Uh, so you um, have yeah... to discover when you watch the film. <laughs> they wake up the next day to find that that. One of the older couple is still there. The beach is covered in these strange fleshy pustules, and there is a str- uh, the water seems to be thick, and there seems to be this slight mist rolling in. And they have to they have to navigate different challenges beyond just their relationship issues. They have to sort of they have to also meet environmental challenges that are impacting them immediately. Um, I'm not going to spoil it. 
That's it. That's that's the that's the sort of basic outline, and then from there, intriguing thing happen. There's a lot of body horror in this, which is good. I love a good body horror, and there's more of that coming in. Um, one of the things that people you're compare- a body horror. <laughs> I really am. It's a fucking nightmare. Um, don't. Uh, this is the same reason I say. So many partners in the last, like, say, 10, 15 years of my life, and there has been only one who broke my rule of never entering the place where poo comes out on me because I say that it's a nightmare passage there's no pleasure to be gained from there doctors have said this as well <laughs> it's a terrible place don't visit there not even for a holiday someone did enter it wearing a fake nail and ever since then I have not enjoyed any idea of anything going anywhere near my ass but I have had a doctor have to put a finger up there anyway that's besides the point that's oversharing did, point did he find the nail pardon did he find the nail no I passed that a long time ago yeah it was mm. like passing a bloody Dorito by the time it came out <laughs> encrusted and shit um anyway sorry so um so body horror stuff it's been compared favorably to the color of the the um the color and the shape which was the recent lovecraft nick cage nick cage horror movie the color and the um, shape the color and uh color into sound or whatever it was what was the, the color out of space color something. out of space apologies thank you so i have um, to keep going through wiki to make sure you've picked the right names out yes. of stuff half the yes. time Yes, so um, it's been it's been name. compared quite favorably to that film. But what I would say is that I think overall the caliber of acting is a lot better here. It's a lot more interesting as well in terms of the concept because the 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 color out of space it really just they sort of they go like oh this is what's happening let's not tell anyone let's not try and escape this and only one member of the family really fights back against it. In this, they're immediately like this is bad. Let's try and do something about the bad thing, which is which is good to see. Um, there's some really fucking good horror in this, though. Mm. Unlike the color out of space, where I was sort of like, often I was like, I just want to see the gory thing. Mm. Show me what that fucking weird, creepy thing looks like. In this, I'm like, what are you doing? But in a good way, in a horror movie way. You know, like where you're not saying these characters are fucking stupid. You're saying, what are you doing? Like, I get it, but don't fucking do that. <laughs> But, like, obviously, perspective. Just run straight towards the monster. <laughs> um, no monsters per se. Mostly people uh, in this. But, but like... Um, but people, they are people are the real monsters. <laughs> I think it, you'll find they are. Yeah. Um, there is there is one standout scene. I've created the ultimate monster. Turns <laughs> out it was man. <laughs> I've created the ultimate monster. Looks in mirror. <laughs> With this, probably probably one of my, one of my um, favourite scenes of the... Uh, well... One of my favorite scenes in a horror movie this year. Um, there is one person at one point. There is, and again, this is a very specific type of people that will like this. In horror movies, there is always like the the scene where someone fights back against an invader in their body. I don't mm. know if you've seen the original. Well, not the original, but you've seen Fly the Fly from nineteen eighty four with Jeff Goldblum. I know it's not the original. I'm saying no. you've seen the Fly from yeah. nineteen eighty four. Jeff Goldblum. There was a scene they cut in which... In The Fly 2. Yeah, it's terrible. Hey, Eric Stoltz. Fucking great film. Eric Stoltz. Um, in, in... The dog gets turned inside out. Yeah, it does, not he cries about it and he's like, You're a monster! The guy gets crushed in the lift. Yeah. I like that bit. And the other guy gets put into the machine with Brundlefly Jr. Yeah. And gets trans- anyway, sorry. <laughs> so there is a cut scene from that film in which Brundlefly fights back against his mutation. It's after he's given up on his humanity and he's out in an alleyway and he kills a cat to eat the cat because he's sort of giving in to those more animalistic mm. instincts. And he feels a, a like a pustule start pushing its way through his skin on his side. Oh. And he, he cuts it with, with a scalpel and then pulls out an appendage that's begun growing out of his side. He's sort of fighting back for his humanity. And there's, there's in body horror, there's always that, 
that point where it's like it's like just fucking fight back you know like mm. there's not much you can do in those films because it's always like a virus or a mutation but when someone's like no fuck it I'm holding on to my humanity there's something about that that sort of just it, it, it's a nice it's a nice sort of plot point to have in those and this has one of those scenes where someone looks at their foot and they've got a wound that that um, for anyone that's had a planter's wart will be very um, very familiar so a planter's wart's like a it's basically like something under the skin so you can only see the tip imagine a veruca but underneath there's like a 50p piece that's like the whole of the wart um, for anyone who runs as well this is going to be quite fucking horrifying so I do warn you if you choose to watch this film that this this is something that happens basically there's a there's an abrasion that's about the size of a 20p piece and inside of that there's like a worm and the character sees that and they can't put pressure on their foot so they sort of drag themselves across the beach up the stairs and into the kitchen and then once they get into the kitchen they start fucking fumbling around for a knife find a knife find the uh, find the accoutrement they need to perform some self-surgery and they cut and then pull out the worm and it is it's one of those things that when I was watching it I was biting down like I was literally like oh fucking hell because it is it's one of those things where if you've ever injured your foot if you've ever done anything if you're a runner if you're someone who walks it's quite hot it's fucking horrendous and it is the kind of thing that done right like I think that all horror if it's done right you should have those moments where you feel fear where you feel what the person's going through there should be enough of a a connection all you need to do if you want to make people feel wince and stuff in a horror film is have a scene where someone's fingernail gets bent backwards no that doesn't do it for me because it always looks fake it's too it's it's too easy to do it for real <laughs> what um one of the things I saw I saw a horror film I think it was French and someone um someone was trying to get information from someone and they were like tell me where they are and they had like they had like needles and they were putting they were putting like needles up their fingertips and things like that they're like no no I won't tell you I won't tell you and they took fingernail clippers and they were like tell me tell me and he's like no I won't tell you and he puts fingernail clippers down he gets wire cutters and he goes tell me tell me and he's like he's like what will you do with those. What are you going to do with those? Remove my teeth, cut my eyelids off. What are you going to do with those? And he, he takes them and he cuts the webbing of his toes. Ugh. And the guy's like, the guy's like, oh, fuck it. <laughs> um, grim, just grim. But anyway, sorry. So the beach house, it's, it is, it's that kind of horror that does those, you know, those, those little tendons of an idea are there and they latch onto you. And when you're watching it, you want like, it flies by. 90 minutes fly by and they fly by in a very low budget. It isn't massive, but it's shot really well and it looks really nice and it they the cast are perfect. It's the kind of film that I'd recommend to people that, that don't have shudder but love horror movies. I'd recommend that people watch it if they like body horror, if they, they want something just a bit better than the colour out of space, because that wasn't great. I didn't like that. I thought that thought that considering the, the, the people that were making it, I was expecting more. And there were some great elements and some great special effects, but the film itself was lacking. I think the problem with, um, what's his name? Uh, Paul Stanley? Is it Paul Stanley? The guy who made The Island of Dr. Maru and went crazy? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he directed The Color Out of Space. And he was, he was, at the, he was sticking to the original idea of the book too much. He wasn't going, that was written by a racist a hundred years ago. He was going, I really like those ideas and I want to pay homage. And I love that guy. He wasn't sort of developing it as a film now. Because if you had people that were being affected he by someone... He hasn't made anything for years. He's I been... know, I know, I know. Except for that documentary and he went mad. He didn't make the documentary, he was just in it. Well, he was in it a lot. I think he directed yeah. it, didn't no, he? No, no. no. Um, but anyway, so yeah, so I was just... This is like an updated version. Like, when phones go down, p- 
people should freak out. They should seek information. That's the key point of information. And in the color out of space, they don't. In this, they seek information. They get the information. They're not happy with the answers they get. But at the same time, they use that information to try and move forward, to try and get out of that situation. Whereas in the color out of space, they're like, I've got scaly skin now. <laughs> Spooky. Yeah. Um, I, I, I can't give this to Tom Atkins because it's not perfect. Again, and it's such a like, it's me and then like a few other people that love those old body horror movies and looking for horror that's really, you know, it's going to hit that right note. Um, but it's so good at what it does. I'm going to give it a Mel Streep, which is so close to being perfect, but it's just, I think that it's, it's going to be a Tom Atkins for the right people, but it's a Mel Streep for everyone else because you can see how good how, sounds absolute nonsense I what know. you're saying right now you can, you can see how good <laughs> and how much effort went into this you know and like you get the idea that everybody who was making it they, they took those time that time to go okay this is a bit out of budget but this is perfect and this is within the remit of what we can do No, and I think that's great no. your review uh, I can't remember all the four things I was going to review I had a thing it was all mapped out in my head yeah um, let's do Star Trek Enterprise Season 2. Cool. I've already watched it. Yeah, there we go. Yeah, it's, um, it's alright. I saw an episode two. the other day, there was a naked guy. Fucking another guy. Wait, mm. was that not Star Trek? No. Oh. <laughs> um, Enterprise Season 2 carries on from the last one, obviously. The no, last... it doesn't. No. Nah, what? Um, carries on the Sulaban storyline, because there was that whole thing where it was like, oh, Sulaban's uh, like terrorist things, and we're going to find them out and stop them. But it's still regular Star Trek. They still go to plants. They still fix racism. They still bring things back to the ship they probably shouldn't. You know, they still have the crazy, wacky adventures where, you know, weird shit happens. Um, it's got a couple of episodes that are a bit iffy in this series. There's um, one which is, like, possibly one of the worst episodes of Star Trek I've ever watched. Um, stars Padma Lakshmi, the Indian actress. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um Barely holding an, an accent, like, oh, really? barely like speaking early... words coherently. Yeah. it's It sounds, I mean, I guess it sounds like a foreign aliens person speaking. But basically in that episode, Trip gets taken on board this ship that had a distress. They've got someone in cryostatus and the cryo thing breaks down, stops working. So he has to let her out. Turns out she's a prisoner and she's being forced back to her country. <gasps> like Khan! And she's a princess and stuff. And in, in- it goes in a completely predictable direction where they escape in an escape pod. They don't like each other, but then they do like each other. And and then they become Salamanders. And then just out of nowhere, the episode ends. And they're babies. No, that was v- Voyager. Oh, sorry. Um, Janeway. And there's like a couple of other episodes where endings feel rushed. It seems like a lot of Enterprise, like episodes either seem to rush themselves at the end or they have extraneous scenes that seem to be there to fill out the plot time a little bit but yeah. it's not too noticeable sometimes but that one was like they've got on the planet they've just started to like each other they go to bone town on each other because you know it's the end goal yeah. of any relationship between a man and a woman and then suddenly not only does the alien who is after them turn up but also Archer and his crew turn up at the same time and you don't know how they found Wait, Sterling, Archer. this planet and they're just there and they rescue them that was rubbish. But the episode itself, rest of the series, fine. There's one episode in there that I've seen people say is a bad episode of Star Trek. I liked it. Whatever. Fun stuff. Is there, like, is there an overarching plot? There always series? is, yeah. It's more it's more temporal Cold War stuff okay. that they were building up for that series. goes out the window at the end of the series. Oh, really? Um, but that's fine. But Because the, the last series ended with Archer gets starts getting messages from the future and he like... 
at one point he's brought back in time to before he joined Enterprise crew and then he's like brought way into the future. But when he ends up in the future, everything's destroyed and there's no Starfleet and like everything's gone wrong. Jesus. And he has to find a way of sending a message back in time <gasps> so that they can bring him back to the past so that because he disappears. The idea, the idea is he gets brought to the future by the time guy to give him some more information. But in doing so, he stopped Archer ever returning back to the past, which doomed the human race. And then he bangs his mum. So they like, they had to bring him back. And that was like a nice, you know, oh, you've messed up time, but we're going to fix it storyline. Um, the episode Sports after that was really good. The, the second episode has um, T'Pol. It's like T'Pol is a Vulcan. The She's man. gradually been letting down her oh, guard a little bit. Showing a little bit of, not necessarily showing a bit of emotion, but she's oh, getting this used is bold to the cut eyebrows. She's lovely, lovely lady, <laughs> Jolene Blaylock. It is it is bold um, cut eyebrows though? Isn't she's it? gradually like accepting human stuff a little bit, and there's an, this second episode. It's a bit of a bold thing to do for the second episode, but because it's one where the main crew just get to sit nicely, like most of the crew don't turn up in it. Yeah, obviously they spent a lot of money on the episode before it, so they need to. Do a cheap episode. episode. And she's telling the story about Vulcan's first contact with humans, and it's not the story everyone knows Which of is? them meeting Zephram Cochran after uh. thing. Turns out some Vulcans crash landed on Earth in the 1950s, and without going the route of it being, oh, it's um, Area 51 aliens, they didn't do that. Instead, it was just like the bunch of Vulcans uh, set in a situation where there's no way the Vulcan are going to get, the rest of the Vulcans are going to get to them in time. Because, you know, space takes a long time to travel. So Tommy Lee Jones gives them flowers. So they all, but shut up. They all, <laughs> they all basically end up trying to live in a town and integrate into the town society. Oh, okay. And a it's basically like, a 1950s thing, and they're like a bit like coneheads. They just take a jobs working at like thing, but no one knows they're aliens or anything yeah, like Adam that. Adam gives them IDs. They're just hanging out. One of them really embraces the idea of Earth. He finds it fascinating, and he's like an engineer and yeah, all this sort Chris of stuff. Chris Farley starts dating and his in daughter. the end, shut up. <laughs> in the end, I don't interrupt your interview. Sorry, sorry. In the end, they like, you know, they go back. It's apparently a story of his grandma. And the whole episode's framed as like, this could be T'Pol telling a tall tale that mm. she's making up, but Vulcans don't lie. But at the same time, you've seen that she's developing more human traits on board the ship. So maybe she was messing around with people. She's displayed a hints of having a sense of humour over the course of the show. Yeah. Which is not a Vulcan thing. They don't joke. Although Spock joked regularly. Yeah, but he's half human. Yeah, he's got an excuse. She hasn't. She isn't half human. Um but that was like a nice little thing, and then she goes back to her quarters and she's got the she's got the handbag that her great grandmother, who was meant to be the alien, the one who was on Earth, had. So it's like, ooh, is it a real story? Um and there's nice stuff where they call back to the previous series. There was an episode in the previous series where she uh Vulcans who had embraced their emotions force a mind meld on her. It's basically a rape story. Yeah. And, like, you know, she didn't want it. She's like, get out. She turned it down. Get yeah, out of there. No means no. And it turns out there's, like, side effects to mind melds as a possibility it can start a disease. Oh, okay. Um, a bit like Parkinson's. Or and like the Vulcans have never had any interest of curing it because as far as they're concerned, it's just these weirdos who do mind melds who get it. Yeah. Basically, it was an allegory for an AIDS crisis in the 80s. I thought the mind melds were, like, a common thing. Later. Oh, okay. Because at this point, the Vulcans don't do mind melds. Only weirdos do mind melds. I've got melds. to remember that this is it, after the original series. But no, it's before said, the original like, series. Before, chronologically. Yeah. 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 But the idea is that they've got no interest in curing this disease it can cause. Because as far as they're concerned, it's just these fringe weirdos who do mind melds. But it was like, you know, it's an AIDS allegory. It's like, clear, like, 
It's weird that an advanced species wouldn't use that instead of teaching. It's because the Vulcans are full of prejudices, that's the thing. They they put themselves over as being advanced, but they hold a lot of prejudices. Yeah. Like they held back in the series, they held back the human race for a hundred years because they didn't think they were ready to go into space. They didn't give them all the answers uh, to allow them to have the higher technology and all that. So I guess like the, the that story like having the people living in an American town like sort of growing up in that situation, that's as close as you could get to someone being half human without retracing that story. No, that was, this is another episode. There's different episodes. Oh no, but I'm, I mean, like, because because the whole idea of yeah, her having town. that that was a different series. That yeah, was a different I know. Episode. But what I'm saying is, I'm on a different episode now. Oh, okay. I'm on one that's like later. No, but I can just see. I can see the storytelling threads to like make it something recognizable but new. Make it so that it's someone who has the ability to access maybe through lineage those human emotions or that that development as a human or or just some semblance of humanity having that no, she just develops it because she finds archer hot and stuff oh okay pretty much no well, she just gets used to the smell and <laughs> i do like they mention the smell a lot and i'm and when i'm watching the series and it's like everything's very compact and confined yeah like the corridors are smaller like than on the series yeah that's the whole conceit of the show is that is they're basically a submarine with a fairly roomy captain's desk yeah um Captain's Bridge, but um, yeah, you, like I look at the ship and I go, yeah, that's gonna stink. Mm. Like, there's a dog on board as well, and you know, so the place is gonna smell. There's a reason that submariners and people like that, when they dock after like being under sea for like a few weeks, there's a reason that they don't wash those uniforms; they just burn them. Yeah, yeah. Well, they didn't need to in Star Trek, do they? Just replicate new ones, exactly. Yeah. Synthesize them. Oh God, you just get Mac Weldon shit, mm. antimicrobial. But um, no, it's like. It's a good second series. It's a good follow-up. I don't know if I like it as much as the first one, because the first one was like... I think the first one knocked it out of the park practically every episode. I think as like well, like, if I remember correctly... Perfect, but the second series has got that Padme Lakshmi episode that's terrible. I think, if I remember correctly, the first season had like a massive budget and it didn't do the numbers they wanted, so they reduced the budget down. Uh, I don't know if that's noticeable. the same and stuff. I mean, by really? the time you get to the third season, it looks like they've bumped up the budget a whole bunch Yeah, the as third well. season... Cause they... And the fourth series was shot on different cameras. They like, The fourth season was the first one that was fully digitally shot. Yeah, it's HD as well, the full series. They're all HD. They're all shot for yeah. They're all shot for widescreen HD. But the series didn't start airing in HD until episode four, season three. Me and Orange. But it was two thousand six, wasn't it? No, two thousand two. It started. Okay. It's before Battlestar Galactica. Jesus, yeah, yeah. But um, the series ends with like an event that's like basically changing the course the series is going to go down, where a big old probe turns up and cuts a massive seven, like thousands of miles long, like suave through America goes through Florida all the way down to Panama or, some, or somewhere like that not Panama somewhere else yeah but um, like cuts a massive thing kills 7 million people and that sets up the plot for the next series where build a wall because <laughs> the whole thing is like they've now been victim of a massive terrorist attack and apparently it's because someone from the future has told these aliens that humans are going to wipe out their planet in their races in the future I can imagine us doing that so they've done awful. a preemptive attack the whole plot for the final episode is like we need we're gonna to need to go into this place called the Expanse. And it's like a place no one goes in because anytime anyone goes in there they don't come back. It's like a Bermuda Triangle thing. Yeah, Thomas Jane's in the there. only thing they've had from it is like a video of Vulcans killing each other and going crazy and like ripping each other's eyes out <gasps> and going all event horizon on each other. Like in Firefly. But um that was the only thing they had left, and that's where the series ends is them heading off towards this place where they're gonna to have to do a mission and they don't know how long it's gonna take and basically the whole third series is that. And every episode builds towards it. Whereas like in season two, it's like what shows were like in the 90s and early 2000s where you'd get lots of episodic stuff and then every now and again there'd be an episode that pushes the series arc forward. Yeah. 
So that's how it was with Buffy, wasn't it? Like with Buffy, villain of the week, but every now and again you'd get the story that's about Spike or something. I can still remember quite distinctly some of the plot lines for Buffy, but I can't place them in what season they were in. Yeah, it could be any season. Because I remember the master, I remember the principal being season three, because I remember that's when Elijah Dushku joined it, because that's yeah. her da- his daughter. I can't remember the villain for season two, but I can remember that Adam was season well, Season four. two was Spike. Season one's like um, the uh, ancient... One. Yeah, it's the master in season yeah. one, and then it's Spike in season two, then with Drusilla, and then yeah. season three is the principal, and then season four is Adam, which is the military thing. It's not later than that. Is it? I don't know, I can't remember. And then season Grace five... Grace was five. Was Grace five? Yeah. And then season six. six is Willow. Oh, yeah, yeah. And then season seven is... The Disaster. The Disaster. Yeah. Wait, they destroy a whole of Sunnydale. Wait, no, because which was the season where Buffy has to sacrifice herself because her sister... That's Grace. Is that Grace? Yeah. Okay. That's that series because she falls off the thing, doesn't she? The yeah, she drops off and goes through the portal and basically leaves her essence in hell or wherever it is. No, she went to heaven because remember that was the whole point in the next oh, series. Oh, yeah, yeah. She turns when they resurrect her and said, why like... did you bring me back? I was happy. Yeah. Like, I was in hell. <laughs> God, that was yeah. a good series. But, um, Shame uh, Josh, Josh Whedon's shit. Yeah. <laughs> but Enterprise, I'm really liking it. Scott yeah. Bakula's great. Friggin' cast That's and crew's really jelly. Say, Scott Bakula's, what, 50 in that series? Uh, mid, mid-40s, mid I'd say. Mid-40s. Yeah. Yeah, he's damn charming. Yeah. He's a real good captain. Yeah. He's... There's, there's an episode of season three where they age him up 12 years. It's like yeah. an alternate timeline thing. And it's been and great he looks, to say. He's got like... Then they put a wig on him. Oh, okay. But they used a Vulcan wig. <laughs> like they cut it yeah. and stuff. But he does look a lot like he does in NCIS now. <laughs> like, like they, they predicted that pretty well I thought you were going to say that episode of Always yeah. Sunny where they transfer into black people's bodies oh. and he's he's just like Ziggy get me out of here yeah. but the second season's really really cool I liked it see I always liked Enterprise just because again Scott Bakula I was like younger and that was the series that I sort of because I think Janeway was my captain when I was younger and my captain dad was watching stuff yeah. my captain, captain, captain. captain who was the who's the black dude it's Avery Brooks Cisco Cisco Captain Cisco fucking Best captain. How many seasons did he have? They all have seven. They Enterprise have seven. is the only series it wasn't seven. Four. Yeah, of the nineties block. Yeah. But um, I mean, the original series is three. Enterprise, Next Generation, Deep Space Nine, Voyager is all seven. Yeah. Enterprise is four. Discovery and Picard. Who knows? Discovery is meant to be ending on the third series, isn't it? Yeah. And Picard shouldn't get a second, but they're no, gonna. Shouldn't get any. The Star Trek nerds are freaking out about lower decks, and I'm like. Who cares? It's just a silly comedies thing. Mm. And I quite like the design of the ship from it. I think it's quite a nice design. Which one's Lower Decks? It's the new comedy cartoon one, isn't it? It's, oh, you know, okay. Rick and Morty style humour stuff. You know, it's going to be Family Guy, Rick, Rick and Morty humour. Just bring back but Hexticles. I don't know if you remember this, but do you remember well, Frisky Dingo? That's not a thing. Frisky, Frisky Dingo sucked. Frisky Dingo was amazing, no. but Frisky Dingo Don't was... watch it again now. I have. I've got it on DVD. It's I've bad. watched it a load of times. It's not good. Bilbo T. Baggins. It's the problem is that unlike Archer, it's literally just joke, 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 joke. Like they fucking they just fire them out, mm. and some of them are hit and miss. Um, oh my god, there are some really fucking horrendous jokes as well. I remember That's the one not Star Trek. No, no, I know, but they had a series that was like a side series called Exticles that ran for only two episodes. They basically made these two episodes to release, and it was it was uh, Phantom X, no, Awesome X's crime fighting team. And they just had this massive like spaceship, a bit like Marvel's Avengers, but before them, mm. more like Star Trek. And they flew around the world solving problems. But it was just basically a captain that was like, 
50% of his brain, I think, was completely gone from, like, Alzheimer's or something. So every time he got orders, he was like, I'm going to fulfill these orders entirely to the point. But then all the guys in the background would be undermining whatever he wanted to do. And also, at the same time, he'd have ridiculous ideas. But they would undermine it just because they were all like, this is just a job for us, man. We're not, like, completely, completely, uh, like, into this. And also, we've worked out how to get our helmets off so you can't blow our heads up anymore. And he's like, what do you mean I can't blow your heads up anymore? He presses a button. And then someone goes... Goes, hi Janine, what's up? Wait, our kid was wearing one of those helmets. <laughs> uh, like, if they're going to do something like Star Trek, just do something like that where it's just fucking bring it back. Well, bring back Exticles. Why? That's not. It's the same thing as that Rick and Morty thing that you said, no. the, the lower decks. Yeah, but that's... Fuck that. Bring back Exticles. No. Just make them stormtroopers no, or whatever. Lower decks looks interesting. Oh, really? Might Who's making it? Um, some animation thing, I don't oh, okay. know. They've got, they've got those big circle eyes like all the cartoons have now. Yeah. Um, they're, they're the second contact crew. They're like the ship that's not really that important. Yeah. So after like the Enterprise has made first contact with someone, they're the ones who have to go in. So they don't really get the fun of making first contact. Yeah. They're just like, oh, well, I guess we're going in and hopefully not messing things up. I'd love if there was a bunch of interns and they had the equipment from the original Star Wars series. Well, all the, all the main characters are the um, ensigns, the ones who just no one gives a shit about. Yeah. See, I like the concept of it, but it's going to be silly and stuff, but it's not canon. Like, yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if eventually in Star Trek they do something like they chuck the Ceratos ship in the background and it's like, here's a oh, look, look, Easter egg. They chuck <laughs> no, the Millennium no. Falcon in first contact, for fuck's sake. Like, be like be like hailing him and be like, hey guys, um, yeah, not not like a massive problem, but how do we refill the replicator? We're out of stuff. <laughs> you poop. <laughs> you poop. Really? Yeah, the proteins uh, from the poop. Oh, right. You, the waste gets resequenced. I did not know that. Yeah. So There's an episode of the Enterprise where they asked Trip Archer... Um, trip to explain to the kids they yeah. got they're sending messages back to the kids <laughs> and they're like how do you make what happens to um the poop, the poop? poop on the enterprise yeah well it's resequenced and everyone else on the bridge is just going yeah someone's eating portage <laughs> you can tell they're thinking about it yeah. and the episode has like a couple of shots of key line of like peak and pie <laughs> it's got corn in it and it's just like corn and nuts and it just, there's like this run this thing where everyone on the bridge is just like watching him explain it and you can tell they're like uh, I would be the guy in the background that's just like yeah what was the failure rate on that one mate yeah, yeah I'm yeah. gonna eat trek bars in my cabin for the rest star of the star trek bars no no trek bars cliff bars star trek alright oh, See what he did there. But, um, it, it's yeah. really easy to tell jokes in the Star Trek world, and that's the thing. If Lower Decks is successful, it's got to be like they have to just. Play. To me, it's less offensive to me than what they did with Picard. So yeah, Picard's like, a fucking android but, at the end of the series. But here's the thing: like I can <laughs> they imagine turn him into an android. If, if you were, if either of us were put into that situation where it was just like I'm just getting paid, like I'm just getting paid to do this. I'm not really invested. It's just like I kind of didn't have anything else to do at the time, and they offered me free room and board, and they give me this fucking little like man bag with like this long stick thing that I have to poke shit with like you remember the original series the doctor had like the scanner and the scanner was just like it was like a box that he hung around with a leather strap and a little like microphone looking thing and you should just scan stuff with it Mm. like they used to go to plants imagine someone gave you that and they were like we've kind of told you how to use it but we haven't really told you how to use it and you're on another planet you're like alright so I've got like some weird goose stuff I'm gonna scan it and like you're scanning you're like I don't know what this is saying I'm gonna poke it (laughs) Like, I'm just saying, you'd be a trained crew in the Enterprise. No! Be a professional. You train the main crew, the backup crew get trained by the main but crew. But get through Starfleet Cadets Academy oh, is not easy. Like, you can get through the Army. It takes a lot to get through no, the it doesn't. Academy. You know, you like, to... you're going to have, like, a bunch of fuck-ups slip through in that system. How many people in the Army shoot themselves every year? They fuck-ups. Man, they're all 
highly trained. Even Nog worked really hard. No, you get, you get fuck-ups in that system. You get a ton of fuck-ups. How did Han Solo get... F- Han Solo didn't. It's not, it's not in Star <laughs> got his last name. He joined the Starfleet. Anyway, you review something, you rapist. <laughs> I'm going to review Neon Abyss. Oh. It's like Rogue Legacy, but with guns. Uh, I played a little bit. It's like Skyrim it. with guns. It was alright, played you, about 20 minutes of it. You're in a club, you have a drink, you wake up and it turns out the only way out of the club is by jumping in a hole and shooting some stuff. Ooh. There are five club managers you have to beat and each time you like play through, you have like... So you'll, you'll come into a dungeon, it's nice and quick, there's about 20 different rooms you have to go through, you shoot some stuff, you get some different weapons, you get some power-ups, and then you take on a boss. Once you've taken on the boss, a little portal opens up, you go to the next dungeon... You complete five for the first one, seven for the next one, nine for the next one, eleven for the next one, and finally fifteen, and you've completed the game. And you, it, basically, the idea is that it randomly generates all this shit, and each time you could get good weapons, you could get bad weapons, but as long as you stay on your toes, you can usually clear them off pretty easy. Um, you've got different characters with different abilities. It's all two D, and again, it is very, very much Rogue Legacy. But instead of it being one big castle with five bosses, it's smaller dungeons. You advance to each one, and then you eventually take on the main boss, manager, mm. the club. It's free on Game Pass? I don't Stop know why I've, I've got hiccups. in your mouth. I've got hiccups. Yeah, because you can't control yourself. It's free on Game Pass, and it's free on PC through Microsoft Game Pass. If not, I think it's £15. Um, it's really... I find it really fun, but right now I can't recommend it because it's got a load of great, like really bad game-breaking bugs, especially on Xbox One X. On PC, I haven't had this happen as often, but it has happened once or twice. But on Xbox One X, you'll go into a room and suddenly everything will be completely dark. Mm. You can still hear you firing guns and you can still move around and tell you're moving around and sometimes tell there are enemies in the room that have generated, but it won't show you anything. Like, it won't even give you the HUD. You can sometimes survive that and then get back out of the room and it will load... It will load again and everything will return to normal, but sometimes you cannot escape that shit because you just can't see anything. Like you literally can't see your, you can't see any of the game as, like assets. So you can't see your character, you can't see walls, you can't see nothing. It's just completely blank. And it's because you broke it. Well, it's happened five or six times. Like it keeps, mm. it keeps happening. And I've tried deleting the game, reinstalling it. I've tried it on PC, and like I said, on PC I had a smoother experience. It still eventually happened. So I think that it's right now it's a massive bug with the game and I can't really recommend people give it a try right now if they're serious about like making any sort of headway on it. I've managed to do the first three managers even though that issue's been present but I have frustratingly lost a lot of progression that could help you because you unlock different like add-ons you can find within those dungeons at the bar. So you can unlock new players, you can unlock like new power-ups and there are some really useful ones. There's a particular power-up that's this popcorn and it makes every projectile you fire into an explosive, which is fucking massively overpowered. Oh, I you think can, I got a popcorn thing. Yeah, you can just cheese every boss because you've got these like rocket launchers, essentially. Every bullet just becomes a rocket launcher. But it also means there are certain things that you can only open with bombs or grenades. And if you've got that popcorn, you can just literally open everything except for the key chests. And key chests you can just open with keys if you find keys. But it just it opens the game up and it means it's easier to get power-ups. So you can sort of just cheese away through if you can get one of those popcorn things from the beginning, which you can do with an unlock. I paid to unlock something so that I could get the popcorn add-on and sort of blast through the second manager. And on the fifth dungeon of that, 
I came into a room. It went completely blank. I was hopping around, trying to jump around, trying to get out of the room. Nothing happened. I pressed the Xbox button. The menu came up as normal, so I thought it was still running the game. I went back into the game, and I couldn't do anything. And it's just, until they fix that, I can't recommend this. I loved it. I was really enjoying playing it. You said it was boring, and that's fine. It was all right. It just felt... Like Rogue Legacy. Something felt wrong on it. it didn't feel like Rogue Legacy. I think, just... I think my biggest problem is the jump being the trigger. Yeah. It's fucking terrible. I don't know why anyone would do that, but... It's because you... they've got twin stick controls on this, yeah. so you can't use a face button. I, I kind of got used to that. I mean, I prefer that over someone trying to put the fucking up on the... Up on the fucking thumb stick as a jump. Some games have tried that. Up to jump is a classic. All Amiga games use up to jump. No, Rogue Rogue Legacy didn't do that. It used the face buttons. But anyway, so yeah, so I can't recommend it right now. I've been enjoying it. I'd say that people should give it a go to see if they like it, but I can't fucking actually give it a score because you can't play it. Like, that's a game-breaking bug. It's I've spent hours playing it. I've managed to make some progress, but I would have probably completed it by now if I hadn't had those game-breaking bugs. And that's a massive issue. Especially for something that's meant to be a full release. And it's Devolver as well. So a company that I love and I it's played... Team 17, wasn't it? Was it Team 17? Oh, you're right. It is Team 17. Sorry. Yeah. I'm thinking of Carrion that's out later this I month. played it for like 10 minutes and I remembered it's Team 17. <laughs> I know the person who does all the PR for Team 17, so I should probably remember that, shouldn't I? Fucking idiot. Yeah. Um, but no, sorry. It's a great game. See, they... Patched Worms Armageddon. Yeah, and WMD. Do they? Yeah, WMD had a patch as well. And a new version, mm. yeah. I think it might be for the Switch release, though. I'm not sure. No, they patched Worms Armageddon, like the PC version. Oh! It's like 21 years old. Didn't know about that. Yeah, they've added um, they've added uh, integer animations on it, so the animation's smoother. And they've um, bunked in a whole bunch of mods people have made over the years. Oh, really? So it's all like... It's got a whole bunch of the mod modes and everything. It's not like Skyrim on the PS4 where they charge for those mods. Is it? No. <laughs> um, but yeah, like, again, I love it. I'd say anyone who wants to try it, try it. If you liked Rogue Legacy, this is probably exactly what you're after. Or even if you like something like... If you like something like a slightly less stressful Android Assault Cactus. That's not the name. What was it? Assault Android Cactus. Assault Android Cactus. If you like something that's There's less stressful than a copy of it right there. You see it on the... Oh, I just see Cactus. Yeah, it's got the words written above it. Um, I mean, if you I've like something here as well, if you like something that's a slightly less like stressful, this sticker, it's in your line of sight, <laughs> directly in front of you. If you like something that's like a less stressful version of that, this is perfect. But for right now, I'm withholding a score until like it's been patched. But yeah, I recommend everybody give it a go though, because I I fucking love games like this, and I'm I'm you know there are just there are better ways to spend your time until it's patched properly. Your review, Amp. Fuck, I couldn't remember what the third thing was. I actually had a four things. Before and then I've forgotten one of them. Oh yeah. So let's do Fatal Deviation. Wait, what is this? Fatal Deviation is a nineteen ninety eight Irish kung fu film. Oh, this that thing I walked in on. So there's this guy, I can't remember his name, who cares? Irish guy. Yeah, sure, why not? He had a dream of one day being a martial arts star just like Jean Claude Van Damme. Right? Jean-Claude Van Damme is yeah. a gymnastics star. So he found some money, got a member of Boy's Own, and they made a film where he's a guy who's been in prison for some reason, and then he wants to fight a bunch of guys, and the town has some sort of tournament, and whoever wins the tournament becomes like the guy everyone listens to in the town, like the crime lord. The Dan. Sort of thing. Um, so he does this, and then there's a girl, and they get chased a few times, and there's a monk in the woods... What does the monk in the woods do? Um, he's training him. He's training him. He's oh. just, obviously. 
Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's like quite is he a fun an film. Irish monk or is he Japanese? They're all Irish. Everyone's Irish. Oh, Very okay. Irish. It's set in um, Ireland. <laughs> What's that place in Ireland? It's got a funny name. It begins with T. Turn. Turn. Something time. Like? No, it's turn or something. If I could turn back but, um, time. Yeah, the guy's like he clearly wants to be an actor. He's clearly a stunt guy. You know, he's got training. He's not. He's not like some idiot who doesn't know what he's doing. Yeah. Like he knows how to do his martial arty stuff. Yeah. This isn't one of those embarrassing things where, you know, the guy goes and does Kung Fu and Afro it's like, ninja. that's a bit, it it's like the guy from frigging Miami Connection. As everyone laughs about Miami Connection, the main guy, legit. Yeah. Legit as heck. Yeah. He's like that. Um, but he's also short and Irish. Um, there's a nice bar fight sequence and all this and yeah. the guy pulls a shotgun up from behind the bar and like, get the fuck out my bar now. He pulls the gun off him, pulls it around. But, um, yeah, apparently he actually works with Jean-Claude Van Damme now. So his dream came true. He's been in a bunch to, of stuff. I thought his dream was to be Jean-Claude Van Damme. Well, maybe, but he's in a bunch of films. He's yeah. been in he's been in the new kickboxer films. And um like he's had a bunch of stunt work and martial arts stuff. What was the guy from Fist of the North Worked Star with Jackie from? Chan in Accidental Spy, if I remember rightly. Who's the guy from what? Fist of the North Star? Well, the live action from? one, Gary Daniels. So Gary Daniels was in a film I watched recently. <laughs> Gary Daniels was the first uh, Westerner on Jackie Chan's stunt team. Yeah. He's a legend. Like, he's legit. That's why I was That's what I was bringing up. I watched a film with him and Christina he's Hendricks. In one, he's in the first Expendables. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, as the Englishman. He gets, like... Killed. His neck broken by Jet Li. But he's in a film where he's... Waste. He's in a film where he's a teacher yeah. and he gets injected with a serum that makes him super angry. Yeah. But the anger gives him super strength. And uh, not a lot happens. <laughs> You'd think a lot would happen. They, at one point, he kidnaps a woman and drives a truck. And then he has a fight with a dominatrix that may or may not be a trans person. Gary Daniels can do what he likes. <laughs> it might be a documentary about Gary Daniels being in LA. Yeah, this but no, deviation. But What's the name of the guy who's from Gary Daniels, deviation? Like, deviation. The whole thing that you were saying, it, it reminds me a lot of Gary Daniels and like the conversations oh, okay. we've had about Gary that. Daniels didn't have to make a film to get himself jobs in Hollywood, though. How did he get jobs in Hollywood? He went to China and he trained with Jackie Chan. Oh. He he was a kung, he was a um, kickboxer for years. Yeah, I know he was a kickboxer. Like, if he was around in like the late 90s, early 2000s, he would have been like a UFC mainstay. Yeah, he would have been like... Guy, um, like like he wasn't some friggin' he would random. Like a, he would have been like a Mark Coleman, basically. He would have been like that friggin' what's this? Who's that guy from? Um, he's in Godzilla: Final Wars. Oh, um, Don Fry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fucking Don Fry. Who has my favorite line in James P. Bennett? That's the name of the guy. The Don Fry Irish has actor. my favorite scene in uh, Final Wars, where it's you wouldn't hit a woman, would you? And he smiles, and then he takes his fist and opens mm. it and slaps her, backhands her. But James, James, Terrible. James P. Bennett. Who his character in Failed Deviation is called James Bennett. Um, yeah, he's in. You you ready for this? He's in the Lone Ranger, uncredited. As um, uh, Johnny Depp. He's in. Wait for it. Beverly Hills Chihuahua, uncredited. <sighs> I take Beverly Hills Ninja over that shit. Yeah, but he's in a uh, Moving Target, which he did after Failed Deviation. Yeah, he's been in a bunch of stuff. Kill 'em all, Blackwater, Attrition, The Protector. Oh, there is it. Someone, someone. Kickboxer of Armageddon. There you go. The people at We Hate Movies are actually watching that film I just mentioned with Gary Daniels where he's plays and teacher. Look, here's a scene. There's no use on the podcast. Don't... Sorry, sorry, sorry. Eric Siska's just... Don't know. Fatal Deviation. That's a that's a thing that exists. And hats off to him for trying it. It's got Mikey from Boyzone in it. 
He plays a villain. A lot of his scenes are que- clearly shot where, like, he wasn't in the room with the others. It's a lot of everyone else is in one shot and then he's in his own shot. <laughs> um, but he does get into a little fight with James at the end. Oh, yeah? Gets his neck broken. Gets beaten up. And then he goes into the pit and he comes mm-hmm. back. The doctor's like, I his can fix this. fight lasts like two seconds. I can fix this. And he's like, I'm going to come back. I've learned I just need to use my elbows. It's quite Christian funny. Bale plays him. It's quite funny when they're having the, the monks are holding the secret underground tournament to determine who's going to be the new Dawn <laughs> of the Town. Cheddar Gorge. And it's like in a... <laughs> It's in like a little interior of a castle or something, and there's just like a whole bunch of people who it looks like they've dragged him out from a bingo hall, and they're watching. They're all going, "Yeah, kick his fucking ass!" Tear his fucking head off! Kick his fucking ass! Yeah, but um, yeah, it's a fun little curio. It's like yeah. probably the closest thing the UK has to um, Miami connection and the like. Really? No, we've got some weird shit, dude. No, like yeah, no, we've honestly got some great shit. How many Irish kung fu movies can you probably quite a few? Like there's um... name an Irish kung fu movie exactly. See, you can't kill Keith, which is the uh, shot in Ireland, and it's Keith Chegwin. That's not a martial arts movie. It is a martial arts movie because technically Keith Chegwin plays the bride from Kill Bill, but it's Kill Keith. It's real bad. (sighs) But yeah, that's in Ireland. Um, I'm trying to think of others. There are, there, like, the thing is that... That's a film starring Keith Chegwin, though. Yeah. I mean, you don't there's just... Some, there's some real star power in that. Keith Chegwin wouldn't have just done any old crap. But no, like, the UK but has... God rest his soul. Really? Oh, he's dead, isn't he? Yeah, do you remember his naked jungle? Yeah, of course he's dead. Everyone saw his dick. Um, but the UK has, like, a strong history of some weird... Like, we do really well in the, like, low-key horror martial arts shit. Like... I don't know. I don't know how many people are familiar with this dude, but the guy who directed Dogtooth, I can't remember. His, not Dogtooth, um, Doghouse with Danny Dyer and Stephen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, he directed a film called Evil Aliens in two thousand and four, which is like a Welsh horror movie about aliens. And it basically starts off with two people fucking in a graveyard, and aliens abducting one of them. And the whole plan is aliens are going to impregnate people, and then those babies are like hybrids who are going to take over the world. And like it's, it's one of those films that. It's exploitative because it's playing homage to those things. But it's also got a few, like, English staples for that sort of stuff. Emily Booth's in it, really briefly. She's in everything. I know. She used to be in all of friggin' What's-His-Face, the guy who did those Cradle of Phil films. Yeah. Like, the guy um, who did... What was that film that he did? The one with the vampires? I don't know. Yeah, but there's loads of shit, like... The UK is a strong history of doing shit yeah, on the Yeah, but do they have friggin' Mikey from Boyzone in it? Yeah. Probably has more... <laughs> I mean, look at... You could watch three episodes of Biker Grove in a row and probably have a similar sort of storyline. I mean, what was the... Was that Anna Deck in Biker Grove? No, they were Grange Hill, weren't they? No, they were Biker Grove. Biker Grove. PJ and Duncan. PJ and Duncan. Yeah, if you could watch the... You watch the history of those... Like, you can have a flash forward and see PJ and Duncan where PJ came back with the glasses on the funeral. Because <laughs> he got blinded, mate. Yeah. I'm blind, mate. That's a I'm blind country, in the though. eyes. That's a different country, though. <laughs> But yeah, no, we have a strong history of like weird schlocky shit. I think that if anything, if you've watched this and you've you've found it entertaining enough, I'd recommend like going out and finding some of the other stuff. Because I don't want to watch any films with Keith Chegwin in it. No, I'm not saying that one. But if you want, I'd remember his dick. Because weren't you watching a stream where it was on? Like, isn't it like yeah, one of my buddies was streaming it. Yeah. Like, there's loads of public domain shit you could just stream online and talk about. Yeah. I'd love to do a few of those if you want to get... That's too much hassle. That's like an hour and a half. We just get fucked up I'd and just... to sit down for an hour and a half. Oh, you sit down for hours of the day. 
Yeah, we're sitting right now. Stuff like that. We've been doing this for almost as long as the yeah, film I know. we watched. I've got to watch wrestling. Anyway, yeah, you true. review something, you cunt. <laughs> oh, that's a terrible Is it your doing... last review? Yeah, it is my last review. God, thank <laughs> I really enjoy doing the podcast with you, and you seem like you hate it. I hate everything. <laughs> um, okay, so my last review is um, it's going to be a film that I had to use a VPN to watch because, of course, I fucking did. And then I bought it. It's Palm Springs starring Andy Samberg and Christina Maloney. Is it Maloney? Milani? She was a lady who was um, the the wife in uh, the last season of How I Met Your Mother. Hmm. Um, everybody forgot about her. Her name is Kristen Milo- Milioti. Okay. I hope I got that right. Um, anyway, so Palm Springs is um, is your usual Groundhog Day fair. Except um, Andy Samberg plays a person who stumbles into a cave um, one evening after a drunken night at a party. He's just split up with his girlfriend and ends up going into a cave that causes him to fall into a temporal box. If you imagine the way they describe it in the film is it's just an area where time repeats and they're sort of just stuck. And time could be continuing outside of that area or it could just be continuing on from the point that they escape or whatever. It could be that they're living through countless timelines. They don't know. All they know is that every day that they go to sleep, or whenever they go to sleep, they wake up at the beginning of that day. And Mm. Andy Samberg reveals that he's been doing it for thousands and thousands of days. And he is essentially, instead of trying to better himself or trying to discover the secrets to what's happened, he has just accepted the fact that he will forever be that age, forever be living in that day, and there won't be any new discoveries. Like, um, yeah, that's essentially it. One day he hooks up with Christine, Christina Milioti, who is the um, the, daughter, the sister of the bride, and she is going to sleep with him, but finds out that there's a cave because she sees him get shot with an arrow, um, and she ventures into the cave after him, because he knows that if he gets to this cave, he can reset the day, essentially. So going into the cave again doesn't have any effect other than it resets the day again. She follows him in and gets trapped in the day as well. And oh. together, they basically form a romance just from this fact that every day they're just doing this random shit. And there are some really funny lines. It's all it's it's all uh, produced by the Lonely Island. So the Lonely Island music band, the ones who did Pop Star, Never Stop, Never Stopping, uh, they've made this. And you can really tell it's a labour of love because everyone in here in here is sort of hand-picked. They aren't the biggest star. You've got J.K. Simmons, you've got Andy Samberg, you've got Christine Milioti. And then J.K. You've also... Simmons is the biggest star of modern times. <laughs> and then you've also got, really interestingly, the guy who plays Superman in the CW shows. Tyler Hoechlin. That's it. He's in it as the, yeah, as the group. Stuff. He's really good. Um, but basically, yeah, they just accept that what's they're in this... In... What's that one with the two girls? One Cup. No. He was the cup. What's her face? Anna Ken was it not Anna Kendrick, the other one. Aubrey Plaza was in. Well there are two girls and it's basically like the dude comedy, but it's the girls Oh, um Finny and Dave need dates. Yeah, wasn't Tyler Hoechlin in that? No. That's who he was. No, he's a bit in one of those comedies. It's bad though, that film. Yeah. Um so yeah, so it's really interesting. Andy Sandberg is sort of like he's like Bill Murray and Groundhog Day if he just kept going and couldn't find a solution. But it's also He's aimless enough that he hasn't really looked for a solution. He's but he just, should. He's like just he's kept slacking. going. Well, he's just kept going. And there's a really nice interaction in this where 
um, where Christine... The fuck Tyler Hoechlin did the voice of Sephiroth in the Final Fantasy VII remake. Oh, there you go. Um, what there's, the fuck? There's a really nice interaction where she asks him about his life outside of the, the temporal what what he's actually done, what his mm. life is like. And she asks him what he does. And he stops for a second and he's like, don't remember. Like, he's lived it so long that it's just yeah. become existence. He's just, he's forgotten. He started just living in that, that single day, that 24-hour period or well, however long the period starts. And and there are some really nice interactions. Like, I think that the Lonely Island people, when they were writing this, fought enough about the... Hall Pass was the one he was oh, in. Oh, it's terrible. Yeah. They fought enough about this, this process and this concept that they asked a lot of the questions that I think most people would ask about that process. So there are loads of questions like, like things like things like oh haven't you tried to break it by killing yourself and he's like oh yeah no I've I've killed myself a bunch of times like I've had so many suicides so many and she's like she's like well if I can't kill myself then what's to stop me from driving into this truck and she swerves into this truck and there's enough time that he's like you probably want to take your seatbelt off and just quickly tuck your legs between your head and sort of put them as close to the dash as possible she's like why is that and he's like I've died a bunch of times where I got put in the ICU and they don't let you fall asleep and there's nothing worse than living like that for a few days, just dying in pain. Just, if you're going to get over and done with, get over and done with quick. Mm. And then she wakes up the next day. And it's like that whole idea that he's been so desperate in this situation. And when you meet him, the desperation, like when you watch it the first time, you don't notice. He's just like a guy who kind of seems to know everything that's going to happen. Like he he, he almost seems like someone who sees the bigger picture of the place they're in. And then as soon as you've seen it once and you watch it again, you're like, he does not look happy. As much as it looks like, you know, it's this jovial like display of, oh, hi there. Yeah, I, you know, hey. It's also like, he doesn't look super excited to be doing that stuff. He's just like, oh, this is the motions. Like, he's like, oh, oh. Um, is it as good as the game Groundhog Day 2? <laughs> oh, God. fucking People forget that exists. No, didn't I review that for the podcast? I don't know. I hated it. Yeah. Well, I didn't hate it. Like, I could see that there was an audience for it, but I did not enjoy playing it. Just because I don't see the fun in mini-game interactions with people under the guise of a game. It's like, hey, make breakfast for your family. And you're like, oh, okay, I've made breakfast. It's like, hey, remember that time? And it's like, you're like, oh, okay, I've got to remember that for the next day when this resets. It's like, hey, your dad was a great guy. <laughs> And you're like, oh, just fucking kill me now. Just kill me now. Let me start the day again. Um, but yeah, this is really interesting. It's really, really, really good. And they do confront the fact that he's kind of a dick who lied to her and there's some stuff he's been hiding and like the fact that he's repeated it over and over again. And also, J.K. Simmons' character, Roy, he reveals early on that the reason that he was shot with an arrow is that he did bring someone else to that cave before and it was Roy, J.K. Simmons. Mm. And... There is nothing better than Andy Samberg and J.K. Simmons playing best friends whilst they drink and do drugs. Like, it's fucking phenomenal seeing those two interact. There's just a five-minute flashback. There's just a montage of all the shit they get up to. And Andy Samberg, knowing the entire wedding party, he's like, he's like, hey, uh, you know, do you want to take this up to the next level? And J.K. Simmons turns to him and says, I know for a fact that that dickhead in the blue suit has some nose candy in his pocket. And Andy Samberg, because he kind of knows everything that's going on, like, as everybody's like, having the wedding as they're taking the vows the guy in the blue suit are like officiating it and he just runs up to him and he goes hey I got it <laughs> and runs off J.K. Simmons just gets up from his seat like oh sorry and just runs after him and the guy in the blue wedding the blue suit he just he's 
he's reading this and he goes I have no fucking idea what they just grabbed and just continues on with the Maddie mouse and then J.K. Simmons and Andy Sambo decide to do the coke in his bedroom in the in the blue cigarette's bedroom and the guy's like I know you got my room key as well you fucking pricks and they're just in the toilet shh in the bath doing coke giggling and I don't think I've ever seen J.K. Simmons so happy and it's just it's phenomenal who's doing coke yeah they're doing they're doing coke together and it's just you know like J.K. Simmons is kind of the linchpin to the emotional shit to this because Christine Meloni becomes she becomes really focused on finding a way out like she is the 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 like the person who wants to break this down Andy Samberg's defeated by it and J.K. Simmons plays a person who's accepted it almost like death but accepted it in a way that because he has a family and he embraces this stuff his speech in particular um it, it happens about 40 minutes in and his his conversation with Andy Sandberg about like everything that that's happening the way it, it's all really well thought out it's it some of the stuff in here I kind of feel bad that this isn't getting a cinema release because this could be a really good like again I, I no one watches comedy films in the Well, that's anymore. kind of the thing I fucking hate because Popstar Never Stop Never Stopping is so fucking funny and most people haven't seen it. And I think that this is again... Most gonna... people haven't seen any film. You could pick any film. Yeah, but... There's like, six billion people. In but there. what I'm saying is that that really didn't do as well as it deserved yeah. to. And again, I feel like this is another one that's going to slip into... It is so good. I just recommend everyone watches it. Like, I can't think of anyone that wouldn't enjoy it. Like, maybe fucking kids, but who gives a shit about kids? But, like, anyone who likes comedy films can enjoy Parents this. Parents tend to. Pardon? Parents tend to. What, give, fuck kids? Give shit about <laughs> I, I think anyone can enjoy this. And I really fucking enjoyed it. Like, there are so many great quotable lines. Like, there, there's a conversation where he talks about the people he slept with. And he goes through it. And, like, he's been doing it for so long that everyone has become a potential partner. Every day is just, like, a chance mm. to be like, who can I see? And he's like, I tried it with the dad, with the dad, well, your dad. And, like, it cuts to, um, who is it? Someone Gallagher. What's his name? Fuck. I've got to remember his name now. He's an actor in the OC and stuff like that. He's done loads of shit. Um, Peter Gallagher plays the dad. And and it cuts to them two sitting on a bed. And Andy Samberg's got his hand in, he's got his hand in his hand. And he's, like, leaning and he's like, and Peter Gallagher goes, what are we even doing here? Andy Samberg's like, I don't, I don't want to know. <laughs> and then he, goes, he goes, wow. And he goes, not really. Just joking. I have thought about it though. And then he goes, he goes I did fuck Pete. And he's, she's like, Pete? And he's like, yeah. And it's this, and it's this dude. And it just comes down. He's having being rammed by this dude. And he's like, oh, that's in there. And he's like, yeah, it is. And then later on, it cuts to them having a conversation because she's essentially gone off to go and go and try and find the key to all this and he's sitting there with this dude that he fucked in another timeline and the guy's like the guy's like so um what are you up to after this and he's like he's like i keep trying to find her and he's like oh and so it's just like this mm. little subtle interaction where it's like you can realize that he thought that this was going a certain way and like, mm. just fucking phenomenal i really this is a tom atkins because it is it is so good i've watched it twice i'm probably gonna watch it again and probably after that i'll watch it again it's it's for me. It's as good as the other comedy that I kept watching over and over again. I used to watch Balls Out all the time, and Balls Out was a film that was made by a bunch of internet comedy people, and most people probably wouldn't find it funny. I found it fucking hilarious. Because you're simpleton. No, no, no. Just because the jokes that are in there are so ridiculously good. I think I've reviewed it for the show, but there is an ongoing joke where the guy who plays Diego, 
uh, whatever his name is, the guy who played the new Terminator and the guy who was also in... Diego Luna. Yeah. It's, no, it's not Diego Luna. That's a different guy. Yeah, Diego Luna. He was, was freaking... Oh, the new Terminator. Yeah. Um, in Balls Out, he plays a guy who's a quarterback who has like this incredible arm. And, uh, and he's... Just one arm. Well, no, he just has an incredible throw. And he basically, he tells the main character, he's like, hey, you want to go play, you want to you wanna chuck the pigs in about a little bit? And he's like, oh, yeah, no, that's cool, dude, let's do that. And it turns out all he does is he goes to a park, he observes people and he throws the ball <laughs> to try and hit them. And if it fucks them up, he, he doesn't acknowledge that. He just goes, little ball help? Like, <laughs> like he expects them to throw them Like, there's a person who's who's studying on a bench and it's a, it's a wide shot of them studying on a bench and someone's walking past and the person who's stuck on the bench, you, you hear him throw the ball and you can hear it coming. And then a guy who's walking past with a whole hot coffee just suddenly gets hit by this ball and pours it all over him. And he's like screaming in agony. That's not fine. It's very painful and mean. Shouts, he just shouts, little ball help. <laughs> That's bullying. It's fucking incredible. It's mean. Um, really, really good. It's really um, dark, man. Why are you Tom Atkins for Palm Springs. I can't recommend it enough. I, I can see myself watching this over and over again. I've watched Pop Star Never Stop Never Stopping a lot. The songs in that are great. This doesn't have the same thing in terms of music. There's not. It's not a musical. It is just a narrative-driven plot. There are some really silly aspects to it, but the silly ones fall in line with the whole... I mean, when you're watching a film about time travel and the fucking day repeating over and over again... You've got to expect, uh, you know, it's going to get a little bit silly. Some zany shenanigans. Zany. There's a really good tattoo scene where he's like, he's like, oh, have you, are you drawing the line right? And she's drawing a cock on his back. Mm. And then, <laughs> then it goes like it transitions and it's him giving her a tattoo. And she's like, how's it looking? And he's like, oh, really sweet. And he's drawing a cock on her back. And she goes, did you get the veins just like I said? <laughs> <laughs> Did you get the balls nice and hairless? And he's like, <laughs> and the cum, is it going in a dr- straight line or is it dripping? It's like, no straight line. It's like, yeah, I like it to be a strong shot. <laughs> and it's just like, yeah. oh, it's fucking great. I really recommend it. If you can watch it, watch it. If you can't, then I'm fucking sorry. you got to find a way because it is, it's spectacular. It's so far, it's one of my films of the year. Your review, Ant. Just watch real films. Is that a jar of piss? Yeah. Mm. I watch real still as Granny's and Peach Tea. Yeah. It's Granish Peach Tree. It's Jolly Rancher, isn't it? Cherry flavour. Mm. Mm. <laughs> oh, God. Batman vs. Superman. Do you not remember that? Have you been watching it again? Yeah. Fuck's sake. <laughs> right, I played CrossCode, which is a RPG. Yeah. It came out, like, a couple weeks ago. It's on Game Pass. Ooh. It is indeed. Um, And it's basically... It's sort of... You know like how Sonic Mania's got that whole... Lost Sonic, Saturn, Mega Drive, sort of... What would a 2D Mega Drive-style Sonic game be like on the Saturn sort of feel, but widescreen? Yeah. This is a similar thing. It's like a fancy, starish RPG, like, you know... It's actually got a lot more in common with Sword Art Online, I'd say. Yeah. Um, the premise is that there's, like, this virtual reality. It's not really a virtual world, because it's a whole real island. Mm. But people play a game in the role of these avatars. And they're real physical characters that exist. Yeah. But the whole thing is a game. There's, you know, there's NPCs and all this sort of stuff. Yeah. Um, but the game starts off with this big old dramatic sequence. And you go to stop someone from doing something with their last dying breath. And it's like, oh, I had to do it. Uh, and then die. And then... Pfft, Ooh, what happened? Mm. And you wake up with a very similar looking character on a boat and you're being taken to this island because your memories are messed up and they need you to go to the island to find something and maybe uncover your memories on the way. Mm-hmm. There's a whole big, ooh, what's all this mystery? And they're going to sneak you into the island and make you basically be a character in the game. Cool, um, And you don't know who your person is and there's there's got the whole trope where your character can't speak, but it's because your voice 
um, programming is all messed up. Oh yeah, on your avatar. So gradually, one of the characters is like giving you words that you can say, but it's as simple as just saying hi in her name, like just your name's Leah. Um, but you know, before your boat gets there, you get attacked with this alien, this guy's like all cybered up and stuff, mm-hmm. and they they got weapons that can defeat them, and um, and the weapons you fire, the main gameplay you can you can attack with rb and just hit for stuff if you want mm. but the main gameplay is about firing these balls yeah and it's like ping, and they bounce off walls and stuff like that most enemies you twat with the balls and just smack your balls on their chin you know all that sort of stuff yeah um it aims like a twin stick shooter so yeah. you just aim if you you can hold down the button just fire away like crazy do a little bit of damage mm. if you hold it and don't fire you'll do more damage but like some enemies will put will block from the front so you have to hit them from behind. So you want to bounce the ball off walls and stuff like that. Yeah. Or there'll be prisms up that you can bounce the balls around, solve puzzles and things like that. Yeah. Bit of a puzzle element. But um, very much looks and feels like a fantasy star, like Star Ocean style RPG. Yeah. Um, it's it's top down, isn't it? Yeah. It's pretty decent so far. Like I've only, I'm only a few hours into it, but I'm enjoying it and it's, it's fun. It's got, I like the way the, like, they've got you in this game environment, but it doesn't feel like a game environment. It's not like leaning really hard into gamer tropes and stuff too much. It's just keeping it fairly simple. Like, you've come across one character who's, like, the jerk, who's like, oh, you, you're a level higher than you should be at this point. You must be a cheater and all this sort of stuff, and he keeps turning up to annoy you. Um, but it's not, like, it's not like leaning too heavily into it. It's not embarrassing like a lot of those sort of things end up being when they're like, you know, they're trying to be a bit meta yeah. with the game format. Um, I found like some of the areas, the maps you run around can be a bit sort of like, like the, the you're going through this field map that leads to another area and it kind of feels like you don't really know what direction you're meant to be going in for sure until mm. you find a dead end and it's all a bit open and stuff. Um, and the town area that you're at first of all is like, there's nothing, there's like signs above things that are for like the guilds but I don't know what these signs mean they're just yeah. like a bunch of symbols and you don't know what they are I know what you mean and, but there's characters posted outside and they don't talk so you can't just walk up to them and ask them which guild is this one you have to go in and then yeah, yeah. Um, which is a bit of a pain because early on you get given a mission to go visit the four guilds and they give you quests and it's that's establishing the sub quest thing there's loads of sub quests you can pick up mm. um, but no it's, it's a fun fun decent game um, you know had no problems with it so far the Opening dungeon things, a bit Zelda esque. It's like you're working through room after room. I think that's what they're going set for. Puzzles. I think that's what um, in the PR thing that I got. I think that's yeah. what they they said it was. It doesn't like. feel exactly like Zelda or anything like that though. It's it's definitely its own thing. Yeah, it feels um, like it does feel like a the what it looks like. I haven't had the chance to play it very much, but it looks like and plays a little bit like one of those Saturn games. Yeah, a bit like the one of the things that I've started but haven't really got very far in. I started playing the Collection of Mana, hmm. and I sort of jumped into a few yeah. of them. It's got a bit of influence on that. It's not turn-based it combat like or anything. It, yeah. It's all like twatty-twatty. Yeah. Which is more Star Ocean than Fantasy Star. Yeah. yeah but, um, yeah, it's, it's fun. You get a French character in it and she says French words every now and again, but she doesn't have the whole thing where they've written her words to be pronounced funny. Oh, yeah. Which is good. They've just, you know, she's not saying this. She just says she says this, like like a person would. Um, But it's a, I like the idea. Like, avatars running around and flinging their balls at each other's chin. Like there's different classes of character in the game, so some characters that you'll come across, the other who are meant to be the other players, will be like different classes and stuff. But you're you're a sphere thrower or some shit like that. Yeah, sphere caster. There's like um, 
I've got to remember this from the fucking the PR thing. I was just trying to find it, but I couldn't. Mm. There's only like a hundred different arts you can master and all this other shit. Like, oh, there's like a tech tree that you unlock and campaign's massive. Yeah, probably. It's like sixty hours or something. Probably. Yeah. Um, but yeah, well, I've got a skill where like you can you go to dash and you hold the right trigger and then you can charge through people. And, mm. You know, it's simple, fun. Your, the skill tree looks kind of like that one from. Um, I can't remember which Final Fantasy was. It might have been twelve, but it's the one where you've got a central point and it branches out in the different directions for oh, each that, thing, and you you can focus on whichever one you want to. And, was but, that thirteen? It was like the crystal one. Something like that. I don't yeah. know. I didn't play thirteen. Do you not? So They're like the crystal systems. So you had like key crystals, and you could like. But you can build up on one path, and you can switch it if you want and change yeah. it to another one. It's it's fairly free like that. Um, too. I had a similar thing with the dresses, mm. didn't it? But no, the dresses were straight up job system in um, Final Fantasy X-2. It, oh, was, yeah, it was literally like, you want to be a berserker, put on the berserker costume. Yeah. I like X-2. Ten X-2's Ten really good. It's I underrated. People should play more. I, I finished that before. Like Final Fantasy X, I got to the end of and got bored. Oh, and really? And I got and played through in one, like, in a couple of days. I was always one of those people. Churned for it. Same with Final Fantasy VII. I sort of just played through the game and I didn't really... Like mana and shit like that, and the and the um, things that you put into stuff. I just put whatever was strongest. I don't really develop any of them and shit like that. Well, you're supposed to work with the material. You got to figure it out, yeah. man. I didn't really get into that side of things. I just man. sort of played through the game. I was one of those. I was always one of those kids. That I was like, just play through. It. I, I I wanted to just enjoy the game. I didn't want to like treat it like it was another another thing I needed to do. You got to figure out how the material works. But cross combinations. Code, but cross code sounds interesting. It no, sounds like it's. Right. Um, it's going for that like old school style thing that I usually fall for and I enjoy. I like in stuff like if you don't want to fight enemies and just run past them. They don't they don't go to attack you until you attack them. Um at least in this early part of the game so far mm. they have. In the dungeons they'll attack you. Like when you trigger them in a dungeon they'll swarm on you and then yeah. you twat away at them. But when you're on the field it seems like a lot of the time they don't. It's fine. There's all sorts of little stuff like trading mechanics, like you'll get traders and they'll want to offer you an item, but you have to bring them certain things to swap for it. Okay. And when you walk up to them, it'll tell you what things you need and it'll highlight the ones you want. Um, I could do with like something where you could highlight a quest and it points you in the direction. Cause like I got to points where it's like, oh, you have to go back to that guild. And it took me like 10 minutes to try and find where the guild was. Yeah. Cause it's like you're saying, oh yeah, it's in this area. And you look on the map and none of them seem to have the exactly the same name Still sometimes. That we're not living in a time where you've got one of those games where it's like, oh, okay, you need to collect five of these. We're going to make those objective markers on your map. Instead, mm-hmm. they sort of go, They'll be hanging around the mystic fields. I'm like, don't fucking tell me that. Just tell me where they are and I'll kill them. Yeah, yeah. And Especially just... like an MMO. It should be more like an MMO. Yeah. MMOs point you in exactly the right direction. Well, that's like but... all games nowadays. The bigger they make the the bigger they make the actual play space, the more they need to focus on that shit. Yeah. Like if you have a look at things like the last well, cross code us... doesn't have massive cross codes areas are like each one's a small area, like you would expect on a SNES game or something. Like Star Trek. Enough room for it to SNES scroll game. around a little bit, but yeah. not massive endless open space so you end up going through to different areas and each area's mm. got its own little name and stuff like that yeah um but yeah it's this fun stuff i like it i don't know how much of it i'll play through but it's you know it's not a traditional rpg and i, I like my old traditional rpgs but if you like stuff like the more actiony ones like if you want your sci-fi and your action if you like the look of fancy style and you like the style of you know star ocean and stuff like that Probably get a dig out, get get a kick out of it. There's really not much like that on the Xbox either. Yeah, not proper RPG. Well, I mean, you got the Five Fantasies. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, like top down, like old school style. Yeah, yeah. Microsoft I, never really had them though, did they? Was... I tried playing Streets of Rogue, which was added to Games Pass in the last couple of weeks. 
dog shit. I could not get on with it. I never played it. It's just fucking... Streets of Red was the one I had. That's the one with Jim Sterling yeah. in it. I've played that. I downloaded that on the Switch. I played mm. through that a bunch of times because you can unlock different characters. I played through it a bit and got bored. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, I loved it. It's all right. Because it's horror mixed in with... Yeah, it's a weird yeah. one. I played through it. I got, I've unlocked all the characters now. But um, but that one, I haven't tried Boss Rush mode yet. Yeah. Um, but I really like that. But no, Streets of Rogue, I fucking hated it. I mm. really didn't like it. And people were raving about it online. So I was like, oh, I'll give it a go. But I just... Oh, it mm. felt like playing Ultima. You remember like the original Ultima where it's top down like when the original you move Ultima it? was text based. No, 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 sorry, okay, sorry, like Ultima Four, like where it's like top down. Your sprite doesn't really move, mm. and when you get into a fight, you just sort of go up, and then like that's a hit according to the system, and then you're up again. Okay, that's yeah. another hit, and it, it felt like that, and I was just like, oh, this is fucking. Ugh. What's that one they need to release? I can't remember the name of it. It's where you're walking around, um, New York, and you're beating up all the racists and the. Like, you'll come across people, the combat's got some RPG bent to it, yeah. and you'll be coming across people, and they're all like, they'll shout something like, oh, you're a bunch of snowflakes getting on my nerves, and then you beat the shit out of them with Kung Fu. <laughs> I can't remember what it's called. It's a really cool game. Um, I, I There's a game that I'm playing now that I'm going to yeah, review Aaron next. Signal did a video about it recently on one of his blips, where yeah. he's covering loads of little games, and he covered it. But it's something like each character's got, it's like a rock, paper, scissors thing going. Oh, okay. I can't remember. But um, yeah, I can't remember. It's cool. I, um, I started playing something really small that I haven't played enough of to review yet, and it's like Papers, Please. It's called... Oh, is it uh, Not Tonight? Yeah. Yeah, it's the EU post-Brexit yeah, yeah. one. Really good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Have you played any of it? No, no, I know which one it is. It's though. £2 on Switch, yeah. and it comes with all the £2. download £2. content, and um, and I, I bought it. The Contra Collection for 55p, because <laughs> I use my points. Um, But I started playing it, I fucking, I got really addicted to it. And the, the like... It's blatantly papers, please, but... Yeah. (laughs) The only problem is that the dialogue's too close to real life now, Mm. because this was made in 2018. Yeah. And so when you're playing it, it's like, it's like, oh, okay. But in that, it's second generation European immigrants. Mm. Like, if you're second generation, then you're not counted as a UK citizen. So you have to be like third generation. So I wouldn't be counted as a UK citizen. You're an outrage. Fuck. That's upsetting. I mean, technically, there's no British people. No, yeah, I know. UK. If you chase back your lineage far enough, hey, sorry to upset you, right-wing Mostly types, Roman but we used to get invaded so much. All the time. Yeah. Like, we, it was it was basically a pastime for us. Like, there's the, isn't it Monty Python the Holy Grail has jokes about it where it's yeah. just like... French are in there. Yeah. Your mother smells like elderberries. Yeah, no, your father was a hamster and your mother smells of elderberries. <laughs> but, um, yeah, it was just, yeah. Oh, another invasion. Oh, well. Yeah. <laughs> Who's it this time? Romans, barbarians, Vikings. Who's it next? What was the, uh, what was the joke about the serfs? I, I oh, wait, no, actually, sorry. I think that was Futurama. Yeah. It's like, um, where I think that Fry's. Fry's, Fry's running a castle for some reason. The serfs go, go, what's that you got there, Lord? Is that a bit of paper with writing on it? Some sort of written word. He's like, shut up, you! Keep carrying, tilling the fields. He's like, all right, sir, we'll keep going. Sorry, I apologise, I apologise. Well, yeah, crosscode. It's all right. If you're not Game Pass, yeah. grab it. I'm, I'm, I think it's like 20 quid on Switch or something like that. Yeah, it's like 20 quid on Switch. I'm, I'm going to get into where I have, I've got it on Xbox as well. I download it on Xbox and also <laughs> on Game Pass on PC. Um, but I haven't, I haven't put any hours into it yet. I just, so much stuff, like so many RPGs that I've, I've bought. 
They're putting, what is it, Carrion's on there soon, isn't it? Yes, 26th. And Yakuza Kiwami's on. Or 23rd? Yakuza Kiwami 2's on there in a few days as well. Yeah, 23rd Carrion's coming yeah. to Game Pass. And I think I'm probably going to buy Carrion mm. on Switch because I want to be able to play that on the go. I've played that. It's all right. I played the demo the other day. Mm. I downloaded the demo just to give it a go. I fucking love it. The only mm. thing that I will say is that I don't know how that's going to translate to controllers. It's really going to have like no, an auto... With, we played it with controllers. Did you? Yeah. Does it have like an auto lock-on with the it's second stick? almost twin sticky, sort of aim, uh, okay. fire to launch. I thought that might be and but, like um, left would be to travel, right? your tendrils point in the direction or something? I can't yeah, remember, yeah, it's been a while. Yeah. But um, yeah, it's, a met- it's very Metroid-y, but yeah, you're the Metroid. <laughs> it's Metroid-y mixed with the alien segments of Alien vs. Predator, mm. where like there are no boundaries to where you can travel. You sort of yeah. travel wherever and you just like sort of latch onto stuff. Carry on my wayward son. Anyway, I'm really looking forward to that game. I'm probably going to play for that in the space of an hour. Um, bye, everyone. That's been episode 139 of the Chris Apocalypse podcast. As always, you can find Ant at Mellow Gaming on YouTube, and you can find him on Twitter at LV54SpaceMonkey. You can find myself at Crit Apocalypse on Twitter and at Crit Apocalypse on YouTube. Um, Ant, you got anything to say before we close out? That's right. JK Rowling is a cunt. Fuck that turf. Anything else? Turf is a slur. Turf is a slur. Like Karen's a slur. Cancel culture is real. I like the fact that rich rich people are saying, we don't like the fact that we're held to account for our opinions. Cancel culture's a scourge. Remember when Hitler got cancelled? Yeah. I remember when he was kicked off of Twitter. He got Sorry, shot himself that was, in the head. Cancelled. Um, I find it fucking hilarious that people are like, cancel culture's gone too far. If we get rid of the bad opinions, what will be left? You go to where it says cancel and you just give it a rub and it says, oh, consequences. Yeah. So oh. there are consequences for your actions despite your billions and millions of Consequences more like. Yeah, tell me about it, fucking turf Karens. Yeah. Um, anyway, it's been lovely as always. Have a pleasant couple of weeks before we return again. I've got to decide if I want to watch wrestling. And I've got to decide if I want sprinkles or spooky sprinkles. Seth Rollins and Rey Mysterio are having a match. I don't really um, have Where they have to... The winner is the first one to pull out his opponent's eye, apparently. I thought you were going to stop at pull out. Yeah, but I just... I don't know if I can be arsed with this. No, I mean... <laughs> I think it's jumping... The, I mean, I'll say jumping the shark moment for wrestling. I mean, that, that, that shark was jumped centuries ago. But whatever. Bye. Say goodbye to the children. Love you all. Have a pleasant evening, sweet dreams, or good morning. That's the wrong way around. Bye. Bon nuit.